Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You go, Ben Coco. Dino DMA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night for! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. And we have a really special episode this week. One that Austin is really excited for. And one that I have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. <laughs> you have no idea what we're getting into? Not even, like, a little bit? Oh, well, vaguely, but it's these video game ad- Hollywood video game adaptations. Like, you don't know what to expect. So, while I'm familiar with the IP very slightly, I don't know what this movie's gonna do. Yeah, it is, uh... It's one of those movies where, like, as a child, it's awesome, right? But then when you go back to it, it's like, uh-oh, this is, this might not be a good movie. <laughs> yep. But I think it is one that I I think is, like, funny. Like, it, it brings enjoyment out of me in the parts that I remember. But I it's, like, the, the parts in between that I'm, like, going back to it, it might not hold up as well, I think. Okay. Well, before we get into it, Austin, what movie are we going to be talking about this week? This week, we will be talking about the 1994 Street Fighter movie. The adaptation from the very popular fighting game that just had its sixth installment. Well, like, technically, it's like the 14th or something ridiculous, but it's like Street Fighter 6, right? So, like, it's... The sixth one just came out. I've been playing it. I love it. I love Street Fighter. So this month we're going to go back to the movie from 1994. Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, uh, Ming-Na Wen's in it, Kylie Wayne knows in it. It's, it's a wild cast. Terrible adaptation of the source material because it's... We can get into it when we watch the movie, but it's a classic. It was directed by Steven D'Souza. The name sounds familiar. They wrote Die Hard. And Running Man and 48 Hours. And Commando, like some really iconic movies. Yeah. Okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, I you know, I don't really know what to expect from this movie. I'm familiar with Street Fighter a little bit, mostly Cammy, because in the game oh, she's pretty Cammy. hot, but that's about Cammy's it. Cammy's my favorite. I've never been too crazy about fighting games. I'll play them every once in a while. Like Smash Bros was like the one game I played a lot religiously growing up. But I played a bit of Street Fighter here and there, but not enough to actually be considered a fan. You are a fan. You like the games. And you mm-hmm. you liked this movie. You grew up with this. So kind of what was yes. the first time you saw this movie? I remember the first time I saw the movie, I didn't get to see the end of it. And I was so upset that I didn't get to. I had to wait for a long time to get to see the the end of the movie. That's that's my strongest memory of the movie. It's not could, getting to see the end. Why couldn't you see the ending? Um, I think we, we, we were at my cousin's 
house or my my uncle's house and we had to go because my dad had to work the next day so we didn't get to see the rest of the movie oh man that <laughs> it sucks like, too the, the, it was like the climactic the, the climax of the movie right guile finds bison and they're about to fight but bison's kind of beating him and then we had to leave mm. so it's like oh what's gonna happen but like the ending is not that is not that great because I when I when I got to see the rest of the movie, it's like, oh, this is what I missed. This is what I was so upset for. Hmm. <laughs> it, look, man, from the I just got to be honest from the from the poster and stuff, this thing looks kind of not good. <laughs> it's a very goofy movie, but I think like as a Street Fighter fan, right? Like if you're a fan of Street Fighter you're probably not going to like the movie if you approach it from, oh, cool, I get to see a movie adaptation of this thing that I like. It's it's not that. It's it's very, very campy and very funny. If you look at it as like a parody movie, kind of, I think it's it's better that way. Okay. This is of the same, like, you remember the Mario Brothers movie? With yes, like, the one uh, with, uh, like, the old 93 one, I think, there's stuff in that movie that's that's funny, but it's it has nothing to do with Mario. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is not a good adaptation of the world of Mario. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like yeah. when he goes into the Mushroom Kingdom, that is not what the Mushroom Kingdom looks like in the game. It looks like downtown LA. It looks like some like freaking cyberpunky like New York. Or, or LA like it's some like grimy city yeah and like the Goombas are like these big dudes in trench coats and that's the thing right like if you imagine a adaptation of Mario you wouldn't you wouldn't think of that movie like why would you make that version of the movie and we'll probably have to talk about that movie at some point because I'm, I'm sure it's really interesting but that's what I meant by what I said earlier like I don't know what to expect because if you had told me without showing me the old movies, like, oh, they made a Mario movie, Super Mario movie, I would be like, oh, cool, I want to see it. And then you and then you show it to me. I'm like, what is this? This has nothing to do with Mario. This is... The, what? <laughs> and and so that's kind of the, the gamble that you run when you watch a video game adapted or a movie adapted from a video game. They could just run with it. If anything, all they all they really have to do is just have the main characters. Yeah, they, they do whatever. Do whatever they want. And for some people, that's fine. Yes, that's why I like the... That's why I like the Mortal Kombat movie is because those characters feel like the characters in the game. I know they adapted Street Fighter into another there movie. Was, yeah, there was the other one. In 2009. Did you see that one? No, I did not see that one. Okay. That one was very, very silly, goofy, but I... I like the goofy scenes in that movie. Like I haven't seen the entire thing, but uh, there's one character uh, who's Chris Klein. Chris oh. Klein from a uh, was it American Pie. Mm-hmm. He plays Charlie Nash. Like the the adaptation is is very loose, right? Because Charlie Nash is like a soldier who goes missing, and that's what Guile's whole thing is. He's looking for his friend Charlie. But he has some like really, really campy line delivery. That's that's just funny. 
You know, the way he says stuff is funny. I spent the last three years of my life chasing around an organization called Shadow Those bodies piled up in the harbor. They were the heads of the ruling crime families of Bangkok, correct? Uh-huh, right? And now they're all dead except for one. His name's Bison. I've tracked him through 11 major cities on four continents and never come close, not once. This guy walks through the raindrops. I don't know if it was if he recorded it or if they, the director was like, say it this way so it's really campy. But because of how he says it, I enjoy his scenes in the in that movie. Chris Klein's. Yes. Well, I... and there's a lot of that energy in this movie where like they they had to know. Like Raul Julia had had to know that the way he was playing Bison was funny. Because it's not scary. (laughs) Well, it begs the question when you're making when they made these movies, did they go in thinking it was going to be a big action blockbuster film that needs to be taken seriously? Or was it kind of tongue in cheek? And unless the people in everyone in the crew says it in unison, it's always up to debate. Right. You really just have to look at the film and make guesstimations about what where the intentions were, because there are movies that are intentionally campy, but it goes right over people's heads. And they're like, that movie was dumb. And it's like, no, you're watching it wrong. Like, you, you, you're not getting the point. And then there are other times where it's like, oh, this is supposed to be serious. I'm kind of wondering yeah. how aware the cast and the crew were for that original Street Fighter movie. Like, was it campy or was it, they were like, no, this is a, the next big action thing. Like Demolition Man, if it had already come out, I guess. I don't I don't know. But that movie was kind of silly, too, though. I don't know. It's it was it was it's but, a different kind of silly. I feel like that one was way more self-aware. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Demolition Man is way more self-aware. Like Face Off was self-aware. You know, and yeah, and it makes it pretty clear. So I'm wondering, is Street Fighter self-aware or were they actually playing it up? I think in parts In parts, I think they knew. And then in other parts, it's like, why? Why do you need to do all like they go out of their way to to show you all the characters, all the characters from Super Street Fighter 2. I think it's Super Street Fighter 2 because it's not. It's not just normal Street Fighter 2, because they have Cammy and DJ and, and all them. So, except there's one character that they don't show. There's one character that they don't show, and we'll get into that later on, because there's, there's some history. Okay. But yeah, it's... I've, I've been a fan of Street Fighter ever since I was a child, and I... I don't know, I think maybe I saw the movie first... And then I knew it was a game. I I played Street Fighter Alpha 3. And ever since then, I'd been interested in in the whole series. And then it wasn't until, like, somebody actually taught me how to play Street Fighter. Where I was... I saw the game at, like, a completely different level. And I haven't seen the movies since then, I don't think. Oh, since you've actually been, like, a fan fan of the franchise? Yeah. Yeah, I just remember liking it as a child and thinking back on certain scenes and remembering them being really funny. Okay. But I haven't seen the whole thing in a, in a long time. All right, well, this is going to be good then. I'm, I'm really curious to see this. I'm curious to see. I'm more curious to see your reaction to it since you've already have like background with it. I'm just yeah. going along for the ride. We'll see how it goes. I, you know, I, 
and you know my taste, right? Like I'm all over the wall. <laughs> I, like there's some stupid shit that I love, and there's some really great stuff that I hate. I, I you know, I'm I'm all over the place. So I'm mm. I don't know. I'm gonna try not to judge it. You know, and I'm I'm really gonna yes. see whether it was whether you could whether I can tell it was done intentionally or not, or maybe part of the way. Who knows? Like yeah, like but- referring to the camp. Hmm. Some stuff was definitely campy. It's the stuff in between where it's where I'm like, what were they? What were they doing? Or is it just camp all the way through? And I'm just remembering parts of it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. I don't know. It'd be very interesting to go back to. Uh, back when it was released, the critics hated it. It was. It has a eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This might be the I lowest think, movie we've talked about. Yes, the lowest graded movie on the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the critics consensus, you know, like the summary of everything. Uh, though it offers mild entertainment through campy one-liners and the overacting of the late Raul Julia, because this was the last film he was ever in. Mm. Street Fighter's non-stop action sequences are not enough to make up for a predictable, uneven storyline. Which, I don't know. I don't think it's a mild entertainment. They said Raul Julia's overacting, but I I think he knows what he's doing. You know, I think him overacting makes the movie way more enjoyable. Mm, okay. You know, yeah. I think he's having a lot of fun in that role. And even though how he plays Bison is nothing like who Bison is in the games, <laughs> um, it's just... I don't know. I, th- I feel like you're looking at it wrong if, if that's how you're looking at the movie. It's kind of reminds me of how people were talking about Starship Troopers uh, back when it was released. Because some people thought that the acting was wooden. There, Roger Ebert. The action sequences are heavily laden with special effects and curiously joyless. Like, that that movie is a, is a satire. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that it, it's it might be lost on some people. I'm not really sure why or how, but it happens. Maybe if you're looking at movies for uh, through one lens, like it's it's all you look for in a movie, and you don't take a step back and look at it from a different way, which is what I think. Why Street Fighter is such a low uh, critical consensus, but you know. Maybe it actually is really bad. <laughs> well, we'll see. And it also could be that critics were rate, uh, were rating it on the curve, depending on what what else came out that year. Because if you had like some amazing movies come out, then it's like, ooh, then. Do you know what I that mean? Is, yeah, that is true. Like, what other action movies came out in 1994? What other adaptations were there to compare it to? What movie released against this one? Right, right. And I also think that because it's a video game movie like video games are already seen as like this lower form of art Mm -hmm. lower form of entertainment so you're already like all right this is gonna be garbage Mm -hmm. right like when you hear about a video game adaptation you kind of already in your head adjust the your expectations of the quality right Mm -hmm. absolutely but you do bring up a good point because we 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 have to go back to 1994 to see what other movies came out um, Street Fighter, you know, it was a critical, well, not critical, but it was a commercial success. 
right? Like it was a $35 million budget movie, kind of high, but its returns were $100 million. And on the Wikipedia, it says that Capcom saw a return of $165 million from the box office and home media. So, you know, they, they did all right. <laughs> but let's go back to 1994. What other movies came out that year? Uh, we've actually gone, we've actually done 1994 before. Uh, do, you, do you remember when? I can't. Number one at the domestic box office for 1994, The Lion King. Number two, Forrest Gump. Oh, there we go. A movie that is also kind of silly. Yes. <laughs> it is kind of silly, but I, I still love it. Mm -hmm. uh, number three, True Lies. Number four, The Santa Claus. Number five, The Flintstones. Number six, Clear and Present Danger. Number seven, Speed. Number eight, The Mask. Nine, Mrs. Doubtfire. And ten, Interview with the Vampire. So many good movies that we'd have to revisit. So many good movies. I thought the Interview with the Vampire came out later, but... Or earlier, but I guess not. Mm. I love that movie. That's a good list. I mean, some some outliers are kind of like, ah, I don't know about I don't know about the Flintstones movie, <laughs> but well, it, it was the Flintstones. It had John Goodman in it, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Rick Moranis. I think wasn't he Barney? Oh, was he? I, I don't. I've never seen the Flintstones. You've never seen the Flintstones? No. Oh, Kyle MacLachlan was in it too. He was the bad guy, and Halle Berry. Wait, what? Halle Berry was in it? Halle Berry was in it, yeah. Because they did... You know how Mr. Incredible has, like, that one woman who's, like, trying to kind of seduce him to join uh, Sinestro's... Yes. Sinestro? Uh-huh. She, she was kind of in that role. She was, like, bad, but she was she turns over at towards the end. I don't know. It's, it's that kind of a character. Whoa. She's there to be like really sexy, but she's kind of evil, but she kind of defects to the goods. I think I don't remember actually something like that. Whoa! I really want to watch this movie now. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's kind of funny as parts that are funny. The freaking B 52s are in it. They have, they had a song like a, a re rock remix of the Flintstones song. A wild time. Also coming out this year, Ace Ventura, Stargate, Schindler's List, Philadelphia, Pulp Fiction, The Crow, D2, The Mighty Ducks, mm. and Time Cop. That's a pretty big year, actually. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these movies. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm still looking at the Flintstones. I'm like, that's wild. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor's in the movie. Yeah, like that Flintstones was a big deal. For sure. Mm. Like, I don't think it, it did, like, very well with critics, but it did did numbers. It, it was a it had a lot of stars at the time yeah. in that movie. I'm curious, how much money did Street Fighter make? Because you said it made money. Yeah, it, it made uh, 99, $99 million, but Capcom saw $165 million from box office and home media. So Capcom, the... the the company that makes the Street Fighter games also makes Resident Evil and Devil May Cry. They got their money back 
Oh, I bet. And plus, it made Street Fighter, I think, a bit more of a household name. So it's like, if kids saw the movie, they're like, oh, it's it, there's a game. I want to play the game. So. Right. Like, I, this movie might be the reason I knew about the game. Mm-hmm. So, okay. This is interesting. After we watched the movie, I, I wanted to compare and contrast, like, what they changed from the video game to the movie. Um, because they change a lot of stuff. I'm curious why they change some stuff. Like, I'm maybe it's just to get every single character from the game in in the movie, which I think is kind of a mistake because there's too many characters. <laughs> and I want to know the behind the scenes stuff because I knew Raul Julia was like, you know, he's. I think he knew he was sick. We can look into that, but I know that he was not well on the set of this movie. And I know some wild things happened on set. Um, I want to look into that. And I want to see what, how some of the street fighter fans felt about this movie at the time. And if this did anything for the game, because I know like for me personally, this introduced me to the world of street fighter and I love these games. So mm-hmm. those are the things I want to look into. Okay. I think I'm just curious about the overall history. Uh, I'm just really interested to see what this Street Fighter world is like, you know, like the the lore, kind of how it changes from the video games. And you've got me intrigued about the behind the scenes. Like, that sounds really interesting. I'm really curious to learn more about that. Okay. Well, to watch Street Fighter, um, I believe it is not streaming anywhere, like, for free. So to watch this movie, you're going to have to rent it on YouTube or Amazon or Voodoo for four bucks. Apple TV also. Google Play Movies, four bucks. Uh, it's, I, I can promise you, you will laugh sometimes, at least sometimes. And it's going to provide better context for the conversation we're about to have. Uh, with that we will see you in one minute my father was the village magistrate a simple man with a simple code justice he gathered the few people that he could to stand against you (laughs) you and your bullies were driven back by farmers with pitchforks. (laughs) My father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Hello, everybody. We have just finished watching 1994's Street Fighter, the movie, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia. Directed by Stephen D'Souza. 
I think one of the only films he's directed. <laughs> His first and not quite last film that he's directed. This is his first movie? This was his first movie that he directed. He's, he was, he's been writing uh, action films throughout the 80s and 90s. And then Street Fighter happened and they were like, all right, Steven, you get to direct this one. Oh, okay. That's kind of impressive, actually. Like, uh, okay, give him, give him props for that. A little, little clap. Little acknowledgement. Little clap. clap. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that is impressive. That's, that's a lot of, well, we'll get into it. At the end of the day, I feel bad for Steven D'Souza because I feel like he was given an impossible task and it was the, the first time he's ever directed a movie. So, damn. He got it done. The movie made money. It was released on time. Good job. But like, damn, there's, like I said before, this movie is, is near and dear to my heart. I have a lot of fond memories of this movie. This movie still makes me laugh. But there are moments in this movie where I'm like, ugh. Like, I, I love wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Pro wrestling, you know, the, the quotes, fake stuff. Uh, and sometimes... Some of the shit they say and the storylines are just like, oh, my God. But, you know, then the next thing happens. It's like, all right, that's better. That's better. And I forgive the shortcomings. But when it comes to this movie, I feel like it does the same thing where it's like there's a lot of like narrative stuff that's just like kind of cringy. But then there's some stuff that's just genuinely funny and stuff that's genuinely entertaining. So I think that I like this movie still but it is a a like caution recommend you know yeah i'm right there with you i think out of all the movies we've ever talked about on the pod i think this might be my definitive half and half i half like it and i half dislike it (laughs) i don't feel strongly either way like i don't hate the movie but i definitely don't love it i enjoy parts of it and i don't enjoy other parts of it. <laughs> it's it's very confusing, but I think there's a lot to admire. There is, and, and I'll say this, on a weirdly nostalgia level, I appreciate the movie. It's really interesting watching this movie because they, I know people say this a lot nowadays, but they really don't make movies like this anymore. And what I mean by that is there's a certain level of of camp cheese jankiness that that you just don't see nowadays in a lot of pristine Hollywood pictures, right? And growing up, I used to watch movies like this all the time, right? Like a lot of Schwarzenegger movies, a lot of Stallone movies that had a lot of jank to it, but it was reliably entertaining. And I've never seen this movie before, but watching it, I was like, I feel like I've seen this movie my whole life. Like I've been watching <laughs> movies like this my whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think part of it is the guy that wrote and directed it did make movies like this before and after. Yeah, so I think he, Steven, De, Steven D'Souza, like he kind of took what worked in those movies or how those movies were shot and just implemented it with this movie. Uh, now that's a good and a bad thing. Do I want quality cinema all the time? Sure. Like, I would I would like for every movie to be the Godfather. Uh, but that's impossible. 
do I want this movie to be better? Sure, but I still enjoyed it. And I can't think of a way to make it much better. So I'm like, well, I well, guess I'm fine with it. Hindsight is 2020. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of things they could have done to make this movie better. But every movie, you know, given like this movie in particular, like, <laughs> but given the circumstances in which you know, how this movie was filmed and the fact that it was his first time and the fact that you had like Capcom um, be involved in the movie as much as they were and all these other things happening, like, probably did a better job than I would have done if I was in his shoes. Knowing everything I know now, he probably did a better job than I would have. <laughs> yes, agreed. And probably when, you know, we have seen this in the past where, you know, the the owners of the IP kind of meddle and they want their own thing, it might lead into some really questionable decisions. Like having McDonald's involved in the production of Batman and Robin, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's an interesting movie that I half like, half dislike. I would say if you're curious enough about it, go watch it. And if you're not, your life will not be better or worse not having oh, no, seen it. No. I, I feel like if there's one thing, one thing that you should watch this movie for, it is Raul Julia. Because, okay, my that- God, I don't think I've seen a video game character played better than Raul Julia playing M. Bison. He is entertaining, and some of the things that they do with him are funny. <sighs> is it worth watching the entire movie? I don't know, man. I mean... Again, I'm half and half. I'm curious. This will be like my barometer. This will be my my grading scale. The Street Fighter is a five out of ten. I know we don't like number scales, <laughs> but it's a five out of ten. There's still a lot to enjoy. Yeah, I would I would say it's a little, a little bit more than that. I would say like a three out of five. <laughs> oh, a three uh, out of five. Yeah, I just think that the good stuff when it lands is like, oh my god, that is great. Like Ra- Raul Julia stuff, like almost all of his scenes are like two thumbs up, two thumbs way the fuck up. That guy put so much effort into playing this character. And this was his last role, right? This was his last film. So I think that probably has something to do with it, too, because this guy, you know, he did the Adams Family and Street Fighter, which is probably where most people know him from. But he'd been acting for a while. He he did this like really these really dramatic roles, uh, like important roles, you know, the kind of roles you'd win awards for. And then he goes around and does this, but he he commits to this just as much as he does to the roles that he won awards for. That's a, that's a good reason to admire him. And I'll say this, I think he is great. I didn't know that much about, I didn't know that much about Ralph, uh, Raul, Raul Julia. Uh, I'd never seen the Wednesday movies or the Adam family movies. Like I just didn't grow up watching them. So I'm not, this is probably the first film I've ever seen him in. And now that I'm familiar with him and because he did leave an, a positive impression on me, like I wouldn't mind seeing some of his other movies and being like, Oh, like, okay, that's, that's what he, that's how he looks. That's what he acts like when he's not doing bison. Yeah. Yeah. But man, he's, he's really good in this movie. Um, so that's part of why it's a three out of five. Then there's, there's other stuff like the rest of like the movie. That's just like, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll do the, the summary right now. 
Um, so if you haven't seen Street Fighter, the movie, you can rent it on YouTube, Google, Apple TV, all that stuff. But if you just want to, you know, listen to the episode, listen to us talk about it, we're going to summarize the movie right now. So <laughs> uh, the, the way that it starts, it, it has that like the, the military grid and like the, the, the <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Okay, so it starts off with like this news footage of this reporter whose name is Chun Li. And she's talking about the war that the Allied Nations, not the United Nations, the Allied Nations are having against this dictator of this fictional country called Shadowloo. Uh, Shadowloo is close to, to Thailand. There is the leader of the Allied Nations, Colonel Guile, is trying to find this dictator, M. Bison. M. Bison has taken hostages. He's taken, like, villagers and allied nation soldiers hostage in the secret base. And he's like, y'all got to give me 50 or $20 billion. $20 billion, and then I'll release the hostages. And Guile's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Guile is played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And he's giving the message to Bison. He's He's kind of commandeered the reporter's newscast, and he's like, Telling Bison, I'm coming for you. Charlie, hang on. And Bison's like, Charlie? So he kills like the soldiers that he has left, but he sees one guy's name is Carlos. And he's like, ah, you're Charlie. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to do some experiments on you. Uh, Bison is trying to create a genetic super soldier. And he uses Carlos Charlie Blanca as his like dummy like he's he puts them in a in a machine and then it feeds them all these images that make them really violent and then he's, he eventually starts to change the guy's body meanwhile guile is he kind of has an adversarial adversarial relationship with chun li the reporter and he's like i don't hate i hate journalists go away your your time is up here um, and Chun Li goes and talks to her coworkers, uh, Honda and Balrog, and they're like, "We're not done here." Guile works with Cammy and T Hawk, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to find Bison. Uh, meanwhile, we have these gun runners, uh, Ryu and Ken, who are trying to sell weapons to a arms dealer, Sagat, who also hosts a cage fight. Uh, Cage fight night. Uh, Ryu and Ken try to sell the weapons to Sagat, but Sagat's like, these weapons are fake. You tried to double cross me. Boys, get them. And there's like a little fight scene. And then uh, Ryu and Ken get surrounded by guys with real guns. And then he's like, Ryu, I'm going to put you in a cage fight. Go fight Vega. And then Vega and Ryu are about to fight. But then Guile comes in with his tank and he's like, you're all under arrest because there's a curfew in Shadowloo. And the the Allied Nations kind of has like a military, not, what do you call it? A mili- martial law. Shadowloo's under martial law. So everybody's arrested. Um, there's an assassination attempt on Guile, but he, he sees it coming because the guy's stupid and runs across the table to stab him. <laughs> um, and then he sees the the guy was like a Shadowloo uh, assassin because he's got the tattoo. And then we see the prison yard, Sagat, Vega, Ryu, and Ken. 
Um, and Sagat's like, Vega, go kill them. So <laughs> Vega has like a prison shiv in his as his claw. It's so funny. That was Vega's funny. got the claw, right? So for yeah. some reason he had time to like <laughs> make his claw, but like with prison stuff. And he tries to fight Ryu. And Guile's looking at Ryu and Ken fight off these like they're not they don't they're not technically Shadow Lu, but they they were going to sell weapons to Bison. So he's like, oh, let's get those two men there. I want to talk to them. So he kind of convinces Ryu and Ken to pretend to be uh, arms dealers and help them plant a bug and find Bison, like their tracking device. There's a, a prison escape where Guile is seemingly killed by Ken and... Sagat's like, you boys are all right. I'm going to take you to Bison because you guys killed Guile, an enemy of Bison. But Guile secretly had like faked his death. Um, and Chun-Li, <laughs> she's on her own mission to find Bison. And she sees that there was a tracking device put on the truck that escaped. She puts her own device on the, on the truck. And she's like, but who else was tracking that truck? So she goes on this like silly like espionage mission to find out that, oh, the allied nations are tracking Guile or are tracking Bison, tracking the truck to Bison. Oh, here's Guile's body. Oh, Guile's alive. And he's like, Chun-Li, I know you're, you're more than just a reporter, but this, this war isn't about your personal vendetta against Bison. Cammy, take her away. And then he's, he says to himself, it's not about your personal vendetta. It's about mine. <laughs> Which is really funny. Chun-Li escapes Cammy and T-Hawk. And she reunites with her, uh, her team, Balrog and Honda. Balrog is a boxer and Honda is a sumo wrestler. But they're also reporters. <laughs> they are tracking Sagat's truck. Uh, Sagat has a meeting with Bison. And he gives them all his weapons, and then S Bison's like, "Oh, these are these are good." So God's like, "Yeah, uh, about my money." And Bison's like, "Why do you care about money so much? You could be uh, a general in my town of Bisonopolis." And so God's like, "If you don't mind, I'd rather be paid." <laughs> Bison's like, "All right, here's my here's some money," and then so God opens the chest and. It, the money is just Bison's face printed on paper. And Sagat's legitimately upset, right? Because, like, you, you're paying me fake money. <laughs> and Bison says, yeah, well, this, this money is going to be worth, like, five times the amount of one euro because we're going to kidnap the queen. So you're actually making out pretty well. And Sagat's like, you're, you're stupid. And then they pull guns on each other. Uh, meanwhile, Ryu and Ken... Well, Ken is like, he's, he's down bad. So he like, he sees Chun-Li dressed as like a gymnast. <laughs> so she, he like follows her and then she, she traps him. And then they find out, oh, we're all on the same side. I'm going to blow up Bison. You guys get out of here. Uh, so Ryu and Ken stumbled themselves into this like standoff between Sagat's people and Bison's people. And then they're like, why are you here? And then they're like, oh, uh, there's traitors amongst you. And then for some reason, 
Chun Li's bomb has a video message, and <laughs> the video message like kind of taunts Bison and Sagat and says, "We're gonna blow up all your weapons right now." And then the, it's like a live video of their truck rolling into the tents that they're all in with explosives. And Zangief, who works for Bison, he says, "Quick, change the channel." That part makes me laugh still. Yeah. And all the all the weapons explode. But they don't, it doesn't kill Bison, probably because Chun-Li has a video message telling him what she's about to do. But they, they capture Chun-Li and her team, and they're like, Ryu and Ken, you guys warned us about this attack. So you guys, we're going to give you Shadow Lu attire. And it's funny because their new outfits are basically their outfits from the video game. They all go to the Shadow Lu base. Giles' trackers worked. He has this whole, like, plan of attack. He's like, all right, let's go. We're going to go there. Synchronize your watches. Oh, 600 hours. Let's get these guys. Bison has Balrog and Honda tortured. And he he tries to interview Chun-Li. He tries to, to, to woo her. And she tells them the story of her dad and how he was this noble person. Who, he's a simple man with a simple code, justice. And how Bison killed her dad. And Bison's like, dude, I don't remember any of that. For me, that was a Tuesday. And then they fight, but he escapes because Honda and Balrog try to help her. And <laughs> by letting Bison get away, and he gasses all of them. Ryu and Ken are, are then found out because they helped release Bison and Bal or helped release Balrog and Honda. So everybody's captured. It's up to Guile. The next day, uh, Guile gets on his boat. or there's, He does like this speech because the Allied Nations representative comes and says, we're going to negotiate with Bison. And Guile's like, hell no. So gives a really funny speech to his people, telling him he's going to kick that son of a bitch Bison's ass so hard, the next Bison wannabe is going to feel it. And then all his troops are like, yeah, let's go. And then they... They get on their boats. Guile does this like stealth boat mission with Cammy and T-Hawk. And Bison sees that Guile is still alive. And Sagat's like, but how? And Bison tells him. Of course. His death was designed to ingratiate his spies with you. I guess you didn't see that, did you? With the, with the hand thing. The joke is... Sagat has an eye patch. <laughs> he gets on these controls when the controls are basically like arcade sticks. It's like a legitimate arcade cabinet with like the, the joystick and the six buttons. It's so funny. Even player two side is there too. Mm -hmm. So there's like two joysticks and 12 buttons and he's just like mashing all the buttons and all like the path that the boat is on there's like explosions and then at the last second uh, the Guile, Cammy, and T-Hawk jump out of the boat and the boat explodes. Guile breaks into the base and he finds Blanca, a, a green monster, who's actually Charlie, his friend that he was looking for. And then he's like, I'll help you, Blanca. I'll help you, Charlie. And he points his gun to, to Charlie's head. But then the doctor, who like kind of saved Blanca's mind by showing him pictures of Martin Luther King, <laughs> and laughing children uh 
he's like, I saved part of his mind, but Bison's work has destroyed the rest of him. So, so Balrog, or uh, sorry, Blanca is like this like monster looking guy, but he's sweet. He's nice. He's scared. Gal, his friend is about to shoot him in the head. And Gal's like, all right, well, I have to stop Bison. Bison, meanwhile, is like, all right, all of you traitors are going to be killed by my new creation, Blanca, the first in line of my genetic super soldiers. So he presses a button, and then, like, the pod that contains Blanca comes up. But now Guile has switched places with Blanca, and he does, like, this amazing flying kick straight at Bison. And all the good guys are like, yeah, Guile's alive still. And then the Allied Nations launched their attack. So there's all these soldiers fighting uh, bisons, troopers. Giles is like fighting and throwing grenades and shooting his guns. Uh, we have Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li, and all of them trying to rescue the hostages. Uh, so there's It kind of breaks down into like a few one-on-one fights. You, you have like Vega and Ryu fight. You have Ken and Sagat fight. There's this moment where Ken is like, let's just get out of here. And Ryu's like, no, we've got to do the right thing. And Ken's like, I don't understand. But eventually Ken comes around and he helps Ryu fight off Sagat and, and Vega. You have Zangief, who's like the, the Russian wrestler guy who works for Bison. He's fighting Honda. And it's funny because there's a scene where the, the, the AN soldiers are like, We've tapped into the, the bison's feed. Let's see what we can find on the cams. And you, you, you see uh, Zangief and Honda fighting, but for some reason we're hearing Godzilla noises. Oh my and God. They're <laughs> God, bison has this like mock-up of his like Bisonopolis capital of when he gets his $50 billion. <laughs> and they're like destroying it, right? So like they're these two titans fighting over this little city and then you have like guile fight bison and eventually everybody's like leaving all the the charges have been set they're gonna blow up the base guile has seemingly killed bison the bison gets back up because he has electromagnetic powers now because he's got like a he can like restart his heart or something uh so he gets back up now he's flying around now guile has no chance Bison has this amazing monologue, and then Guile kicks him, and then Bison flies into a bunch of TVs and explodes. And then everybody's leaving the base. Zangief and Honda's fight is broken up, and Zangief's like, "Why are you leaving?" And he's like, "I, I gotta, we gotta go." Zangief's like, "Oh, you're a coward." Uh, meanwhile, D- DJ, who is Bison's second in command, he's like running away with like a, a box of goods. And he, Zangief is like, DJ, the enemies of freedom and peace are leaving. And then he's like, dude, we're the bad guys. And Zangief's like, what? Oh, man. So Zangief actually joins the good guys and helps them all escape. The hostages are rescued. The, the soldiers all leave. But at the last moment, Guile is trying to save Blanca and the doctor who helped him. But the the doctor is like, no, we must atone for our crimes. So they stay in the base that explodes, and it seems like Guile blows up with them. 
But at the last second, out of the rubble, Guile emerges, and everyone's like, yeah, Guile's alive. And then the rest of the base explodes, and they're all like, yeah, we did it. And that's the end of the movie. Well, well, uh, that's not everything. You're forgetting one final thing, post-credits. Oh, the post-credits scene. Oh, the interesting thing about the post-credits scene. That wasn't in the theatrical release of the movie. No way. Yes. That was added afterwards? It was added after, like on home video release. Because this movie came out two months after Raul Julia like, died in real life. Oh. So there, there's like a post credit scene of like from the rubble, Bison's hand like pops out. So it's like, he's still alive. But, you know, having that scene appear after the real actor died of stomach cancer might have been in bad taste. Yeah, okay. Okay. I okay. I thought it was I thought they were like already playing for the second. I was like, damn guys, like he just died, didn't he? Yeah, of course, like they, they do that all the time. Like the, the hand coming up from Crystal Lake, like Jason does that. Uh there was a movie, a He Man movie. With, with Skeletor, and Skeletor, like, pops out of the, the pit that he fell in at the last second. Like, I'm not dead yet. And then they never made a second one. Jesus. <laughs> it's an interesting movie because they do a lot. Yes. The video game has the right idea. You're a street fighter, and what do you do? You fight. And you have a bunch of different colorful characters that have their own special abilities and, you know, probably a convoluted lore and stuff. But the movie's, like... No, we're going to do a lot more than that, right? So it's a hostage negotiation kind of thing. It, there's a lot of allusions to, like, the Vietnam War, kind of. I don't know if you picked up on that. I mean, only in that they're fighting in Southeast Asia. Well, kind of, but there's, like, the whole Good Morning Chandelier, which is, like, reminiscent oh, of the yes. Good Morning Vietnam, like, the location. Yeah. The, the the fact that you have like a bunch of immigrants and refugees coming in like it's a it's it, it the Chandelier gives off the vibe of like a worn torn country almost right like not yeah. not completely torn because it's not an R movie like it's a PG thirteen right it's it's still kind of a kids movie in a way um, mm-hmm. but there's those like weird illusions and then <laughs> which is just strange having that next to like. Hondo and uh, Sagi fighting. Oh my god, you're saying all the names wrong. Shadowloo is the name of the country. Shadowloo. Actually, it's Zangief, but I always, I've always said Zangief. Zangief. I'll say it because you say it like that. Zangief. I, I um, trust you. And Honda, like, like the car. Yeah, Honda. Yeah. Yeah, I said that one right. <laughs> you, you did not. Play the tape back. <laughs> Hondo and uh, Sagi fighting. I will, and you'll be wrong. And if I'm <laughs> wrong, then I look like an asshole right now. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I have been known to mispronounce a ton of stuff. So it, it's not that it alludes to or it's trying to make a big point about it. It's just There's kind of like a definitely back- like points that are like, oh, that's that's like a Vietnam movie because they did the Good Morning Shadow Lou, and then the fact that they're in the southeast. It's not commenting on the war. It's not like. Pro-war, right. anti-war. It's just a backdrop. They're like... Well, if anything, this movie is pro-war. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in, but, but in this, like, tongue-in-cheek way, like Starship Troopers, where it's like, okay, they know this is ridiculous. This isn't actually inspiring anybody. 
to, to go and join and enlist, right? Yeah. <laughs> Troopers, I just received new orders. Our superiors say the war is canceled. We can all go home. Bison is getting paid off for his crimes. Meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up, but we can all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm gonna get on my boat, and I'm going up river, and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is gonna feel it. Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? It's uh, it, it's very much a backdrop for like, or we need a setting that could fit a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have like Honda and Sengif are like fighting, and then you have the soldiers watching through the monitor, and but you have the Godzilla sound uh, sound yeah. effects. They legitimately play the Godzilla noises, like you hear the. There's no getting it twisted. It's straight up Godzilla. And because they're fighting and they're destroying Bisonopolis, the little place, the little structures, <laughs> yeah. it's very like, oh, this is a this is a reference to Godzilla. So it's ridiculous and wacky. This movie is just so extra. Whereas it could have just been a simple movie about fighters fighting, you know? That's like the obvious choice, right? Like, yes. okay, obviously Street Fighter is a fighting game. Let's make this a tournament thing. Which is mm-hmm. what, like, every other fighting game turned movie does. It does a tournament, or it's like, all right, this is going to be a tournament, but we're actually going to cheat. We're not going to, we're going to kill all these fighters before the tournament in one on one fights with our assassins. So you kind of get the tournament anyway. <laughs> yeah. But this is not that. This has a whole, you know, political intrigue of the, of the, uh, AN, the, the, uh, What's it called? The um, Allied Nations. Allied Nations. There's a war-torn country. There's and you've got old like gun runners because essentially like Ken and Ryu, they're gun runners. That's what they they're, are. They're they're, they're they're like con men pretending to be gun runners, right? Because there's that whole line of dialogue about how Kyle tells them, "You guys think you're the good guys because you only steal from from bad guys." Mm, like, what right. if I gave you a chance to like actually be good guys? Yeah, it's so wacky. The thing is, I don't know how else you could have done the movie except if you had just gone the tournament route. Uh, I like I don't know how you could take this movie and make it better. Like if you made it ultra serious and stuff, then you remove the charm from it, right? Right. It, it's entertaining. But on the other hand, it's just sometimes it's so dumb, and I'm just like, <laughs> I just yeah, there's don't. there's moments in the movie where I'm where I'm like, hey, what was their plan then? Like, okay, so for example, when Ryu and Ken are in that tent where Sagat and Zangief, or Sagat and Bison are making their deal, Chun Li's message warns the bad guys that their tent's about to explode, right? So yeah. what did Ryu and Ken even do? To, to earn the the good graces of Bison and Sagat. Oh, that that whole scene was confusing, and I, I and then also Chun Li gets upset at them, and Honda and Balrog get upset with them. But it's like, why you? Also, Bison says 
they pretended to kill Gal to ing- to earn ingratiate you into some- he says something, but it's like, dude, you were the one that put them in the Shadowloo garments. You were fooled too. Why are you making fun of Sakat? <laughs> but I guess he's a he's a, a megalomaniac, so he he only sees the faults in other people, not yes. his own. So that's I, fine. That's that's the way I saw that. He's got a big ego. Nobody, no, like he never makes a mistake. Everybody, it's everyone else's mistakes. <laughs> there are some con- inconsistencies like that. I mean, inconsistencies like that are like as as some uh, people will say plot holes. I don't really pay too much attention to because I'm like I just don't I don't care. To like look at right. all the, you know, like unless it's really, right. really, 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 really bad. It's, it's just that I think there's a lot of moments like that. Like when the assassin goes to kill Guile, like you see how close that assassin is getting to people. And then when it's time to like pull the trigger and kill Guile, he like gets up on the other end of the long ass table and runs at him with a knife. When you could have just gotten real close. Just been like, would you like yeah. some water? You see him get close to people. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and, but I kind of enjoy it. Like, that's like, okay. If if people are confused as to how I feel, it's just, this is the half and half. Like, one thing I like, one thing I dislike. It's, I don't, I don't sway one way or the other. Because there's a lot of dumb shit in the movie. There's so much dumb shit in the movie. Like, the assassin going after Guile. Why does he need to jump jump on the table, run straight for him? <laughs> but Guile or uh, what's his name, Jean Luc uh, or Jean Claude Van Damme is really funny. I'm half and half about Jean Claude. Like I, I like Jean Claude as far as like all the other not Arnold action heroes go. <laughs> I think Jean Claude is one of the better ones. But I feel like some lines, I, I'm just like, ugh, boy. This is an over, Guile. I own this city. Well, I'm the Reaper Man, and you're out of business. Other times, I'm like, that's great. Like when the, the guy, the diplomat, tells, tells him to call off everything. Colonel, have you lost your mind? No. You've lost your balls. The way he, like, he points at him, like, it's, like he's making a stand. Like, I know people are going to clap for me when I say this. Like, that is really funny. But when he says... Any other orders of business, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, I, I mostly love Jean-Luc Godard because, god damn. Especially, Jean-Claude like, from the, Van Damme. Jo- sorry, sorry, Jean- <laughs> God, I'm just all these names. Jean-Luc Godard. No, okay. Jean-Luc Godard. Jean-Luc Godard. Oh, God. <laughs> my, my douchey film side is coming out. Oh, um, my God. Dude. That's another thing. There's too many characters. There's too many characters that are needlessly in this movie, but I'll get to that in a sec. But Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'll just say his name, Guile, because Guile. Guile. Colonel Guile. Colonel Guile. Like the very first thing that he's in, it's like, Colonel, Colonel, may we have a word with you? No. And then he's like, but I do have a word for that sick son of a bitch, Bison. I know you like to watch yourself on the TV. So watch this. And he like does the whole... uh, (laughs) Like, how would you describe that? Where he has the hand on his, like, arm. is It's like he's flipping them off. Like, up yours kind of thing. Yeah. it's His line readings yeah. are so funny. Like, they could be considered bad acting, but I don't care. I like it. He's like, Charlie, we will find you. Charlie. He kind of sounded like a, 
from a Kim Peel sketch. He sounded very mm. like, "Kids, if you go outside, you can fly." It, just, it gave me that kind of energy. I don't think Charlie is a nickname for Carlos, right? No, that I, I, I was like, it's like Charlie Carlos. I was like, okay, <laughs> like. Do you know any Latin Charlies? I do. My uncle. He's my. He's my uncle. Oh my god. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. But okay, so actually, okay, you know what? It actually does make sense because I. Okay. So I have an uncle. And I call him Tio Carlos, right? That, that's what I say to him. Hola, Tio Carlos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my dad calls him Charlie. But but because because I've known him my whole life, he's my godfather. It's one of those things where it's like, you say one word and I immediately like just draw the connection. You between autocorrect two. it. Exactly. So my brain autocorrected from uh, Charlie to Carlos because that's how I always called him, Tio Carlos. Okay, so it, okay. Okay, all right. Uh, so I, was, I feel really dumb t- right now because I'm like, I watched the movie okay. twice. It's content. At both of those scenes, I was like, that's dumb. Why would he get Car- uh, Charlie from <laughs> Carlos? Or Carlos from Charlie, but I'm like, wait a second. My uncle! Uh, I got to send him this episode. I got to send it to them. <laughs> send it to him. <laughs> He's like, you dumbass. <laughs> no, but... um. Yeah, this so Jean Luc, Jean Claude, Van Damme, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guile. Um, he's an entertaining guy, and I'll say this: I think everybody in the cast has their moments, some less than others. Like Chun Li, Ming Na Wen. Yes, yeah, Mulan, right? Mm-hmm. Great actress. She's awesome in this movie. Like Chun Li is yeah, awesome. I think the 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 cast definitely is pretty good. She stands out. Cammy, for as little as she's in the movie, sort of stands out. It's Kylie Minogue. I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, you know, you you've probably heard that song, Can't Get You Out of My Head. You might have to sing it. I just can't get you out of my head. Oh, yes. That's her. <laughs> yep. Number one, I didn't know who sang that song. I thought it was like <laughs> Madonna. Wow. Oh, no. All <laughs> the Kylie fans are, are going to be upset now. <laughs> Yeah, all five of them, I guess. And he, wow, and was, dude, was she big? You are, yes, dude, she was huge. Okay, I take that back. I take that. That's just my ignorance. But I mean, for as look, she's great for as little as she's in the movie. Uh, but then also you have some like Ken and Ryu. They're just like the the thing about Ryu is that he's a handsome man, and he's even more handsome when he has his shirt off. Okay, cool. It's Fine. so funny. There, there's that scene where they where they have like the Shadowloo emblem on their on their outfits, and then Ken rips his off, and Ryu's like, "I got, I'm gonna do one, I'm gonna one up this guy," and he rips off his whole shirt. <laughs> I can't even really recall that movie because it was so quick. But the one I re- recall is when he's about to fight Vega in the beginning of the movie in the oh, cage match, yeah. and then all the women just like drop the Vega signs, and they're like for Ryu after he he took off his shirt. Yeah, and, and oh man, what Vega he like. His jaw drops at mm-hmm. the fans turning on him. It's really but, funny. But that's Ryu's big thing. Like, he's a hot dude, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, fine. Ken is the fact that he looks like uh, Bucky Barnes from the MCU. Or, what's his <laughs> name? Um, 
Uh, Sebastian Stan. Seba- oh my god, there's too many names. This fucking episode. Oh, this is just there's too many character names. But yeah, Sebastian Stan looks like Ken. Basically, the two characters that I'm like that I'm not endeared to. I just remember them because they're hot, right? Yeah. And I think, well, to be fair, because I again I'm I'm not hanging on the movie, but I think going back to what you were saying, the director, Steven D'Souza, was in a tough predicament because yes, does this movie have too many characters? Yes, they're just it's bloated. Way too Very many characters. Bloated. Yeah. But like I, but it's a it's a video game movie and you're trying to incorporate as many characters as you can because the fans want to see them, right? And it's like you 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 very clearly have to put some to the side because it's like I can't make the movie about everyone. Right. And you had Capcom on his ass probably about this too. It's like, look, you gotta have Singot, you gotta have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's like, what the fuck am I gonna give these characters? Again, I'm half and half. It's bloated. It could be better. But for what we got, I think everyone stands out for the most part. Some characters, you know, get stifled a bit. But, I mean, it's, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't uh, an ensemble movie, you know? It is like, an ensemble this movie. This isn't like, you know, the Knives Out with Ryan Johnson where every character is well-defined. Oh, and has no, their own... no, no, no. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. And this is like if if you did that movie poorly. Yes. But I'll say this though, like again, Ming Na Wen, Jean Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, they all stand out really well. And, you know, the guy who plays Ken, I don't think he does a bad job. I just don't think he's given anything to do. They try to give him a little something where you At know, the end oh, where he's where he has like a conflict, like, oh, do I take the money and run or do I help and Free the refugees. Exactly. And I'll, I'll say this. There's an attempt. And I'll give him points for that. Absolutely. I think, yeah, Stephen was in a... Stephen was in a really tough spot. And he found a way to give everything balance. But by balancing everything, not there's not one aspect that really shines through. Yeah. I, I feel like the movie would have been better if we just followed Re- Ryu and Ken. And just had Guile, like, dead... Until um, the very end, where it's like, surprise, Gal's still alive. And then Jean-Claude can give us those, like, cheesy one-liners. But or then even- you, would, you would lose, like, the, 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 the speech that he has in front of his troops when the diplomat's telling him to stop. Honestly, I'll do you one better. You could have made the main character Chun-Li. Straight up. Yeah. She <laughs> he has, did that like, once. <laughs> well, well, but that's... And we could talk about that another time. And that's a movie we could probably watch to follow up our Street Fighters one. But yeah, like Chun-Li could have, you could have, she has the the most obvious motivation, right? Yes. She wants revenge, yeah. which how many revenge movies have there been? Like, it's just a ton. So you could just model this movie off of a classic revenge story about a, a little girl mm-hmm. whose father gets killed and she wants revenge. And it just so happens that it's a megalo- megalomaniac I don't know if that's a word. Megalomaniac. Megalomaniac uh, general who wants to create his own metropolitan civilization of, I I don't know, but you you know what I mean? Like, okay, pretty. (laughs) Metropolitan civilization. (laughs) I am struggling with, I am struggling with (laughs) words and names today. He wants to create his own nation. Yes. But in doing so, to, to get to create this perfect society, he wants to use these super soldiers to 
make everybody respect and fear him. Yeah. He has yeah. a whole, he has a speech about it and it's oh my everything he says is great. Yeah, and I'll say this, um I don't they they give Raul Julia scenes, Raul Julia scenes where he can like explain his plans and he can interact with the people he's working with and the people who are his hostages and the scientists and you know, and they give him like places to breathe and to act and give him like little jokes and stuff, you know? And that's what makes him stand out the most. It's like the little things that they add that makes them stand apart. Also, it is a lot of Raul Julia's, how he approaches the character. Oh, you know, absolutely. I think a lot of that is him overselling everything. Oh, like, yeah. He's having the time of his life. Whereas I think sometimes Guile's stuff, it it's not played up as much. It's, it's just Jean-Claude doing Jean-Claude things. There's some stuff that the characters say that's just kind of very, very dry, but there's nothing dry that Bison says. And part of that is because of the actor playing the role. Yes, uh, there are, I agree with you 100 percent. I think the reason I I think the, they set the movie around Guile because they got Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. right. And I think he was he may have been the biggest star in this movie. He's billed he as was. the he's billed as the biggest actor that's probably why they put casted him as guile because it's like well we can he's he's the one that closely looks like jean-claude van damme he's he's just a big he's uh, just a big military star. guy he's, yeah he's the biggest he's one of the biggest action stars in the country at the time and he they couldn't get arnold but they could get they could get jean-claude van damme who's like but big deal. That's why they casted him as Guile. Mm-hmm. But and there's a certain aspect where some moments Jean Claude looks like he's having fun, and other moments it's like I'm just you know this is just a job. Where if Raul Julia likes to chew the scenes that that are given to him, even if it's minor stuff. Like for example, I mentioned this earlier, like the scene where Guile is um that bastard Bison when he's talking directly to Bison through the cameras that yeah. Chun Li like report. And when he does that, like, what, what did you call it? The up yours. Bison just looks so offended with his eyes. Like, his <laughs> yeah. eyes are popping out of his head. He's just like, <gasps> like, he's like, he's offended. Mm-hmm. It's just a look. It's not even a, it's not a gasp. It's just a look that he has. And that sells you the character just a little bit more. For sure. Oh, and man. and the movie's riddled with scenes like that from Ralph, Raul Julia. My favorite one is is when uh, he sees that Blanca is not like a killing machine, and he's like, "Show me his neural activity, whatever." And they they play like these children like laughing on the swing set, and he's like, and he like punches the screen. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's oh, like right after. I don't know if it's right after that, but there's a scene where, uh, what's his like? What's his uh, henchman? DJ. Like, Huh? DJ? Yes, Miguel Nunez. Oh my god, DJ is so funny cuz DJ is standing right behind him. And DJ is kind of like his like computer computer guy like, you know, yeah. he, he's he just works at the facility that Bison is, you know, overseeing. And DJ, you know, DJ is standing right bef- right behind Bison and Bison's like time to go out like real warriors or some shit like that. And like the the look that he has it's just of a committed man who just wants to fight, you know, like yeah. of a soldier or something. And when DJ just walks out of there, it's so funny 
But Raul Julia is like, this dude is selling it, selling the fact that Bison just wants to, Bison is almost proud of this. You know, he just, he wants to fight. Uh-huh. You know, this is honorable. This is the way real men go out. He's like that in those private moments uh, where he's like, oh, I want to be a warrior. I want to fight. But like the first one-on-one fight in the movie is Chun-Li and Bison. And Bison's getting his ass kicked. And at the first chance, he runs into his little room and closes the door. And then gasses everybody from inside, from, from safety and laughs at them. Well, I like, attribute that to him just being what you said. He's a, he's a me- megalomaniac, right? Like, he says yeah. he wants to be a warrior and stuff, but he's really a coward. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's, it's the it's fact really that funny. they keep bringing this up. It's it's more funny than... than um, it's more funny than, than it bugs me. Because it, it's just right, fun. Right. Like it's it's funny, and that's why I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. It's like yes, he says he's he wants all these things, but he really doesn't. Because and he does it multiple times. He does it when he fights Chun Li. He does it with Guile at the end. Yeah, <laughs> Reese. Like, what do I have to fear from you, worker ants, scurrying about with their pitiful weapons, afraid? Of the purity of unarmed combat. Come out from behind the curtain, wizard. Let's see how pure your combat really is. And then when he gets beat, he is revived with with his new powers. And Kyle's like, whatever happened to unarmed combat? And he's like, it's just electromagnetism. (laughs) This is merely superconductor electromagnetism. Surely you've heard of it. It levitates bullet trains from Tokyo to Osaka. It levitates my desk where I ride the saddle of the world. And it levitates me. God, everything he says is so good. Yeah, so it's it is one of those things where I'm like, I'm fine with this because he's clearly dumb. It's just other moments where it's like, okay, well, this doesn't make any sense, but you, you can't just say, oh, it's because it's it's funnier this way. Yeah. Some stuff some stuff has to have some kind of like logical through line, I think. And I think that's what bugs me is there's a lot of those moments. And now you could say maybe the spectacle will overshadow that, right? Because I've, I've done that before. There are some movies that I think are really janky in terms of story, but I love them because they're great action flicks, right? Like a lot of Michael Bay stuff. I will mm-hmm. I will forgive because while story wise it might be janky as fuck, the action is top tier, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem with this movie. The action is either mid to below average. There's not a single yeah. action scene that really stands out. And I think that's a problem because number one, the movie's called Street Fighter, so you should have good fight scenes. Right. And number two, it just reminds me of other movies that have probably done it better. Most of Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> movies from back in the day. Commando, mm-hmm. but this one doesn't. And and I'm going to say this throughout this review, this discussion, but this is half and half. I'm disappointed that the action scenes aren't better, right? Because I wish... They were good, so they could, so I could come out here and say positive things about the movie. Yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna like go on YouTube and look up. Oh, I want to see Ryu fight Vega in that training room. You know, that's not gonna happen. No, absolutely not. 
the action scenes don't work, right? Like they don't, they flat out do not work. Do you mean, when you say action scenes, do you mean like all of the violence that is filmed or do you mean like explosions and, and gun shooting and. I'm glad you make the distinction because I'm in the, when I say action scenes, I'm combining the fight scenes and the shooting scenes because the action is a mixed bag because the fight scenes are mediocre below average nobody's gonna go on youtube and say i want to see that fight scene again like you said but the action scenes are nostalgic for me like i wouldn't say that they're good but they are nostalgic like there's a way of making movies that they that aren't made nowadays it took me back to my childhood of watching this stuff for example uh you'll always have like those insert shots of an explosion going off and people like flying Yes. And then they'll have like the <laughs> Wilhelm scream, ah, you know? Yeah. And like, you'll have action scenes like where a character will just like shoot bullets and then an explosion. And then you'll have, you'll see the people, like the stump people like jump over, ah, some of them in slow yeah, motion. Yeah, like you're at Waterworld at like, uh, Universal? Universal Studios, like those, those stunt shows. That's what it reminds me of. Exactly. And, and we don't make a lot of movies like that anymore. A lot of stuff is very CGI driven or it's very, very well done. You know, like if you compare the wire work and the, the stuff that some people are doing nowadays, like it's it's very advanced, right? Like John Wick mm-hmm. 4, which we talked about on our Patreon episode. You should go check that out. We we have high acclaim on those action scenes. Those don't look like these. Exactly. John Wick does not look like this. And and the thing is, John Wick is is the exception. It is an exceptional piece of action cinema. But I didn't grow up watching that. I grew up watching stuff like Street Fighter, like the Arnolds, the Sylvester Stallones, the Rambos, you know, the Jean-Claude Van Damme. And so while, so while the shooting scenes aren't really great, they just brought back a certain memory of watching these movies and seeing all these practical explosions and these stunt people jumping all over the place and just the way they're filmed too, like on Steadicam and on tripods, like really no over the shoulder, like no, no handheld camera. Like it's just a very different style of filmmaking that we don't see often now. And so I appreciate the, I appreciate watching this movie through that lens it's not because it's well made, <laughs> but because it's it is nostalgia. It's like you know watching a Disney movie live action remake and being like, ah, oh, this reminds me of the animated one. That's strictly it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And it's funny how you you said I grew up watching action movies like this because I was trying to think of like what you what you meant by it, and the first thing I think of was when Cammy shoots that RPG at the the temple thing and then you have like three stunt dudes just like do that jump and like flip over and scream you know like that is something straight from like the late 80s early 90s absolutely and it's those kind of techniques you know that a lot of that a lot of action films from the 80s and 90s implemented you know like even like jackie chan does it too Uh, there's there's something different when jackie chan does it i feel like there's an element of actual danger to especially with jackie chan himself right like he puts himself in danger and that's kind of like what we expect when we watch one of his movies it's when we watch a mission impossible movie we're not watching to see how badly ethan hunt is gonna fuck somebody up we see how tom cruise is going to almost die (laughs) yeah or how he breaks his leg or his ankle (laughs) 
it's that style of filmmaking that we just don't have nowadays because either the the, the stunt work and choreography has gotten very advanced and digital mm-hmm. technology can hide a lot of the some of the jankiness from the 90s and 80s or everything right. is CGI right like you don't really see the the Marvel movies implement these fighting techniques because a lot of it's no CGI. instead you have blue beam <laughs> And I'll say this, and I, I, well, I wouldn't say that's a negative towards Marvel, because obviously when you have someone like Iron Man or Thor fighting, they're not going to fight like Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know? But And and also, like, it's a bit more cost-effective, you have safety, things that you have to consider, and it just looks better for their respective characters. But, again, that's why rewatching Street Fighter is, like, such a nostalgia trip for me. It's like, oh, seeing the stunt people jump, seeing these practical sets, you know? Seeing, like... The fact that like nobody has proper aim except our main characters, because like a lot of guns get fired. None of our yeah. char- none of our characters ever get hit by a gun, do they? Uh, I think there's only one scene, and it's it's like the fake gun. It's like that shoots like the the foam oh, balls with, with Ken and Guile during the escape. With Ken and Ryu. Oh, yeah. Ken, no, no, Ken and Guile, because or Ken shoots Guile. Oh, were they fake Guile's death? Okay, yeah, that scene. I was oh, thinking you were ta- of when they're when they're trading the foam guns, and then like one of the guys, one of the henchmen who I guess wasn't paying attention to the demonstration, picks up one of the fake guns and tries to shoot Ken in the head, but it, it just shoots like the foam ball. Yeah, but see, those are those are two instances, but like especially at the end where it's like a straight up battle, none of our yeah. characters get hit or shot, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just the bad guys can't aim. It's little it's little yep. subtle things like that, you know? And you just have to watch it and know like, oh, this is what this is what it was like back back then. As whereas we don't see it now. And look, I'll say this. I'll I'll take John Wick four over Street Fighter any day. But Ooh, again, absolutely. <laughs> but there is a there's a nostalgia thing that I'm like, oh wow, it's yeah. I feel like a kid again watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, the the action is very underwhelming, especially the like the actual fighting. You know that the the first one on one fight in the movie is between Chun Li and Bison, and it's pretty one sided until he runs into the room and hides. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cause yeah, it's like fifty minutes into the movie. Re- Ryu and and Vega don't fight because they're interrupted. Guile kills the two soldiers, but that's not really a fight scene. Or not not Guile, sorry, Bison. Bison kills the two. Oh soldiers. yeah, he he's the, the four soldiers that are captured. He's like, all right, now's your chance to fight the dictator. We yeah, he <laughs> he just breaks their necks. He's like, you came across the world to fight me. Now fight me, and he just <laughs> he just kills them instantly. Instantly. Maybe Guile did Charlie a solid by calling him out because he would—he's about to get his neck broken. He got to be alive for a little bit longer, I guess. But Charlie still died. I didn't see a body. That is true, and and we know Bison survived. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I—that's the thing. Like in a movie called Street Fighter, you'd you'd at least want some some quality action scenes some quality fight right. scenes like you you should you should have had ryu and vega fight in that cage and then before 
anything anybody can like be determined the winner then guile comes in with his tank right but there's a reason for all of this there's a reason why the fight scenes don't look very good there's a reason why the action looks very generic but we'll get into that when we talk about the making of the movie i know there's that fight scene where ryu and ken have with the with the nameless people but it's a street fighter movie yeah the one takeaway from that is that they do their their like trademark back throw because in street fighter you can throw people forward or throw people back but when ken throws people back he does like this roll backwards and it throws you he has so much corner carry because like in, in street fighter it's a two-dimensional game right and there's there's sides and you can be put into a corner so when when ken back throws you you can go from like mid-screen to like being in the corner and being in the corner in street fighter is very bad you're you might lose now <laughs> So I, I appreciate that they put that in that scene there. But that's it. That's it. As far as that scene, the, the two takeaways that I, I remember is the back throw and when the guy has the foam gun and shoots Ken. That's it. It seems like the movie needed to have a fight scene because, again, the next fight scene we have in the movie is 50 minutes in between Chun-Li and Bison. So they're like, we have to have something in you know, like it's an action movie. We got to have action in the very beginning of the film. Um, but it's strange because they put so much emphasis on setting up the setting, the world, you know, um, kind of everyone's association with everybody. Honda and and Chun-Li, they want this and they want that. And other characters want this and want that. And, oh, but we have to set up a prison escape. And it's like, how about you just have a fight scene? Yeah, would be nice. Like, how about have Cammy and Chun-Li fight each other when Chun-Li tries to escape? Yeah, and it, it doesn't even have to be high stakes. It could just be a way of them sizing each other up, which we mentioned is a way that it is something that, um, uh, what, what's it called? That the zoo warriors. Um, right, yeah, that's like in these like martial arts films, a way for people to get to know each other and a way for the audience to get to know the characters to put that character in a fight scene. Yeah, you understand how they move, and maybe the the two people fighting can now have like a newfound respect for each other. Like a fight scene between them is kind of like a handshake. Yes, it's uh, they're not trying to hurt each other; they're sizing each other up, and that's something that in some Musha films that they did that, and it's like, yeah, oh, just replace a fight scene between Chun Li with with Chun Li and Cammy. They're sizing each other up, and it doesn't have to be. And also, like maybe Chun Li just gets the upper hand and runs away, or maybe Cammy decides to let her go. She's like, oh wow, she could really fight. Like she could be a lot more useful than if we put her in a jail cell. Something. Something. Instead, she just like, get off of me. And then she just runs out the window. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a here's this minor little thing. But I thought Chun Li's outfit in that one in that scene was so stupid. She's wearing an all black like ninja outfit, except covering she's not covering her face. I just yeah. I just saw that and I was like, so you're cu- you're not covering the, the part that's identifiable to everybody. And, oh, my. The, the thing that also doesn't make sense is that they're in an, an allied nation's base, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, who's tracking that truck with Sagat? Like, who, who else is going to do it? It's like one plus one equals two. It doesn't make any sense, but like... If, if it's a way to get a fight scene between Cammy and Chun-Li, that's fine. I'm here for it. But instead, it's this weird, like, reveal that Guile is still alive. 
But like, why would he do that? Why would he lay in the sheet all day? Was he waiting for Chun Li? <laughs> that doesn't. Mean, yeah, I was actually. It's funny you brought that up because I was confused about that. It's like, wait, has he been in that under that blanket the entire day? But he's going to be walking around the next day. He gives a speech. Everybody yeah. sees him. Yeah. Again, this goes to the half and halves. Like, okay, this is pretty stupid. But there are moments where it's like, damn, that was really funny. One of my favorite jokes being like the, maybe you didn't see it, where Bison covers his one eye when he's talking to Sagant. Sagant. Yeah. It's fucked up, but it's two villains saying it to each other. Yeah, he's he's a bad guy, but he's... He's being an, a bit of an ableist there, but it's... Oh, he he absolutely is. Even though it is his fault, too. You know, he's the <laughs> one that gave Ryu and Ken his clothes. He's like, you work for me now. <laughs> and, like, those outfits, nobody wears them except for the guys in the training room. He didn't give them, like, well, the soldier outfits. You know why they gave it to them, Austin. Because those are why. their outfits yeah. from the video game. And that's mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem, right? You're trying to tell an actual story with, like, uh, with, like, stakes and a spy story. And, like, the this dictator and stuff like that. And you're trying to combine that with Street Fighter, right? Right, so right. So you're setting yourself up to fail because you have the obligations of, of taking everything... Of putting the important stuff in a Street Fighter movie from the from the Street Fighter game, but now you have to put it in and insert it into a a movie about a dictator being taking hostages and stuff. Like you're you're doing right. too much. You know, it is it it so much. But we'll get in we'll get into that soon. Um, you mentioned about uh, putting all the stuff in the video game into the movie, which makes me want to talk about the differences from the video game and the movie, because there's quite a bit of things that were changed. Ryu and Ken having the the outfits, okay, that's one thing that they got kind of right, but let's talk about everything else. And I thought it'd be really fun to do this uh, by giving George a quiz. (laughs) I've prepared 10 questions about the Street Fighter video game. And its relationship with the movie. Multiple choice to make it easier for you. Um, We'll just start this right now. Street Fighter movie trivia. Question number one. Okay, so in the film, there are characters that do the moves from the series. Right? Like I mentioned, the, the throw that Ryu and Ken have where they throw the guys behind them. That's from the video game. But there's also some other moves that are in the film, and there are some that are not. Which of the following special moves is not featured in the film in any way? Is it A, Rolling Crystal Flash, B, Flash Kick, C, Hadouken, or D, Iron Claw? Hadouken. It's incorrect. There was a Hadouken in the fight between Ryu and Vega but they didn't have time to add the special effects. Oh my god! <laughs> the answer was D, Iron Claw. Iron Claw is... Is Vegas. No, it is Zangief's grab. It's not his spinning pile driver, it's when he grabs and like he mushes their face. Mm. And you get more hits if you mash the button. Rolling Crystal Flash is Vega's move where he does like a roll and then he strikes with his claw. And Flash Kick, you saw Guile give 
by some like three flash picks in a row before mm. throwing him into the computer. Number two. There are four boss characters in Street Fighter 2. Bison is the leader. Who are the other three? Is it A, Vega, Zangief, Sagat? B, Balrog, Vega, Sagat? C, Akuma, Sagat, and Vega? Or is it D, DJ, Zangief, and Sagat? Uh, A. The correct answer was B, Balrog, Vega, and Sagat. Uh, Zangief is uh, not a villain in the Street Fighter series. Oh! He's a wrestler. He represents his country. Well, I figured, because he's Russian, isn't he? Yeah. I figured just like they'd make him villain. That's probably. Nah, he's not evil. That is that is the United States propaganda. That's me that being racist. <laughs> oh, he's Russian? Villain! You're a victim of the propaganda machine. It's okay. We all are. Red scare, man. Yeah, Bal- Balrog. Vega and Sagat are, are villains. But Sagat later changes. Although the film takes place in the fictional country bordering Thailand, which character actually comes from Thailand? Is it A. Sagat, B. M. Bison, C. Blanca, or D. Captain Sawada? No, not Captain Sawada. I think he's Japanese. Uh, Sung- Sungat? Sagat? Correct. Sagat okay. is from Thailand. He's a Muay Thai uh, kickboxer. Four. Although not mentioned in the film, there are two characters in Street Fighter lore that are actually in-laws. Who are they? Is it A. Sagat and Vega? B. DJ and Balrog? C. Ken and Guile? Or D. Ryu and Honda? The first one. Sagat and Vega? Yeah. Incorrect. Uh, it is Ken and Guile. Ken is married to Guile's sister. Number five, which of the following were not featured in the original Street Fighter game from the 80s? Street Fighter 1. There's only two playable characters in this version of Street Fighter. Is it A. M. Bison. B. Sagat. C. Ryu. Or D. Birdie. Bison. Correct. Bison did not appear in Street Fighter until Street Fighter 2. 6. In Street Fighter, several characters have fireballs or projectile moves that help them control the horizontal space. Which character did not have one in Super Street Fighter 2? Is it A. M. Bison, B. Dalsin, C. Sugat, or D. Chun-Li? Chun-Li. Incorrect. Chun-Li's fireball was called Kikoken. A was, was Bison. Bison didn't have a fireball until Alpha, and he, I don't think he's had one since then. 7. Of the 16 playable characters in Super Street Fighter 2, which of the following did not appear in the film? Oh. Yeah, this is... This, the key is of the 16 playable characters in Super Street Fighter 2, which of the following did not appear in the film? A. Akuma B. Fei Long C, T-Hawk, or D, Dan Hibiki. T-Hawk was in the movie. So it's not C. Can you say the other three? A, Akuma, B, Fei Long, or D, Dan Hibiki. I think Dan Hibiki. Incorrect. This is, this is a little bit of a trick question, I'm sorry. 
Akuma didn't appear in Super in Street Fighter until Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo as a secret boss. And Dan Hibiki didn't appear in the series until Street Fighter Alpha. Ah! It was a trick question, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to <laughs> throw one in there. No, no, it's uh, all good. It was Fei Long. Fei Long's slot, I guess, was occupied by the <laughs> uh, Captain Sawada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eight. The Street Fighter film takes liberties with some of the characters' lore, but it got some of the things right. Which of the following did the movie get right? A. Chun-Li's dad was murdered by Bison. Okay. B. Vega's, Vega is Sagat's protege. C. Cami and Guile work for a United Nations-esque peacekeeping organization. D. M. Bison's power comes from electromagnetism. I think that one's right. I think the Cami and Guile one are correct. The Sagat and Vega one. I oh, think that only one's... one of these is right. Everything else was made up for the movie. Okay, so the Chun-Li thing was made up. No, Cami is is Russian in, in Street Fighter. Uh, so Bison's power comes from electrici- electricity. I think that one's the correct one. D. Bison's power comes from electromagnetism. I'm sorry, George. Incorrect. And Bison's power comes from the uh, Psycho Drive. Oh, get the... Psycho power. So, um, so what was the right one? A was correct. Chun-Li's dad was murdered by Bison. Oh, really? Yeah. Vega is not Sagat's protege. Sagat's protege is Adon. <laughs> um, and Cami is British. She works for a fictional organization, Delta Red. And Gal works for the U.S. Air Force. Oh, I thought Cami was Russian. No, <laughs> she's not <laughs> Russian. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's okay. It's okay. Relevant. Nine. The cast of Street Fighter is multinational. However, some of the cast don't have the national origin of the characters they portray. Which of the following did? <laughs> Blanca, who come from Brazil, played by Robert Mamon. B. Vega, from Spain. J. Tavare, that's the actor's name. I'm saying the actor's name last. Uh, C. Ken Masters, USA. Damien Chapa. Or D. Ryu. Japan, played by Byron Mann. I think C, Ken. Correct. It was C. Damien Chapa was born in the States. Uh, Brian, Byron Mann isn't, isn't Japanese. He's, he's born in Hong Kong. And mm. Jay Tavare, the guy who plays Vega, was is Native American. And oh. Robert... Yeah. Robert Mamone, the guy who plays Blanca... Charlie, Carlos Blanca. He's Australian. Oh, okay. Also is uh, Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue is Australian. Mm. That's part of the reason why she's in the movie. Uh, Ten, final question. Sometimes the video games that their film adaptions are based on inspire changes to the video game series itself. In what way did the Street Fighter the movie influence the video game? A. Spawn two video games. B. Encourage the series to take a more realistic approach to fighting. C. Cast high-profile actors to voice the characters in the game. D. Change the appearance of certain characters to match their portrayals from the film. D. Incorrect. 
the correct answer was A. There, believe it or not, there are two separate Street Fighter the Movie video game adaptations. Whoa, two of them? Two of them. That were independently, like one of them was made by Capcom and the other one was made by a different company. And both of them used the same sprites, right? So you could like play as Jean-Claude Van Damme doing Guile. Um, but one of them was made by Capcom and it was released on like consoles and stuff. The other one was only released in arcades. And it's crazy is they're both made independently from each other. Oh, that's interesting. And what's also funny is they both have Akuma, who is not in the movie at all. He was only a character as a secret boss in Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. So they had an actor in Akuma's outfit. Is it it's it's kinda like the Mortal Kombat games where like they... there's the it's like a, a photography of a person that they animate into a sprite. So they have some guy who's dressed like Akuma to, so that he fits the, the artistic direction of the video game. Okay, that's pretty cool. And I think it's also a weird bit of Street Fighter trivia. It's the first time Akuma was just in a Street Fighter game, not as a secret character. Okay. Let's see, you got one, two, three. Three of the ten questions correct. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and you know what? It's not your fault, because all you know about Street Fighter is pretty much this movie and, like, basic stuff, right? Yeah, like so, Ken and Ryu. Yeah. And that... I had to look up a picture of what Guile, the character, looks like in the game. Because I was like, what's 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 uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme supposed to look like? I was like, oh, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they changed so much stuff from the video game to the movie that if you know the movie, you don't really know Street Fighter. No. We'll get into how they made this movie um, in a second. But one thing that, you know, is is so important in fighting games is the fighting style that the characters have right because that's pretty much all you know about that character unless you like sit through and watch all the cutscenes and everything right Mm -hmm. and you don't really see a lot of their fighting style in the movie because of how they had to film this movie because of the budget and because of the time that they had to make the movie They, they couldn't really do all the crazy fighting stuff like, the fighting stuff did not take a very high priority when it came to making this movie, which is weird because this is a Street Fighter movie. The fighting should have been the number one thing. Like, the fighting and, like, the, the, the characters, right? Like, the way that they, I mean, not so much the way they look, but at least the way they move. Can they look like their characters somewhat? Yes, which is why I, I like that modern Mortal Kombat movie, because they do all of that stuff. So, like, the stuff that it doesn't get right, I don't care, because they got more right than anybody else did. So, they get they get bonus points from me for that movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. This movie was Steven D'Souza's first movie. They came to him to make this movie. And, you know, I think a lot of screenwriters, they're like, I want to direct a movie. So, this was his chance. This was his chance to make one of the movies himself that he'd been writing all this time. And I think because it was his first time, he made a lot of accommodations to make people happy because, you know, when you, when you get jobs like this, you, you want to continue getting them, 
right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're taught to, like, make our bosses happy so that they keep giving us jobs. And I think that kind of screwed them over a little bit because Capcom were, I believe, the sole financiers of this film. They were like, $30 million, go make a Street Fighter. Oh, actually, we want all the characters in it, and we want Jean-Claude Van Damme to play Guile. They were the ones that decided the casting? They wanted Jean-Claude Van Damme, and they wanted their actor, Kenya Sawada, to be in the movie. They wanted him to be Ryu. Uh, And D'Souza, you know, he didn't want to make a tournament movie, and neither did Capcom. They gave him a bunch of, like, artwork to look at that hadn't been released, and it showed M. Bison's base. In the video game, sometimes they call his organization Shadow Lou, and sometimes it's called Shadow Law. Same thing. It's, it's his group. And they showed the Shadow Lou base, and he was like, oh, okay, I kind of want to make, like, a James Bond adventure film. And they were like, yes, we like that. Also, make everybody, put them all in the movie. And he's like, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. You want me to put all 16 of these characters in this game? Why not just put seven of them? And they're like, why seven? And like, seven's the magic number. Like, there's seven dwarves, magnificent seven. And then he he quizzed them, can you name all seven dwarves? And the Capcom guys were like, no, we can't. You're, You're smart. Actually, let's make you the director of this movie. He's like, hell yeah. And that is where it all started to fall apart. Because <laughs> he, he gets the job as director, right? He, okay, he has to cast Jean-Claude Van Damme. All right. So the movie has $30 million budget, right? How much do you okay. think it costs Jean-Claude Van Damme to be in this movie? Oh, like $10 million. Oh, close. $8 million. So you take you take you take your thirty million and then you you cut off like a third of it and it's like all right that's Jean Claude Van Damme's part of the the money and Jean Claude Van Damme is at that phase of his career where he's like this is the most amount of money he's ever made for a movie the peak of Jean Claude Van Damme's career and what happens at the peak. You've seen enough biopics to know what happens at people's peak, right? Oh, he, he, he's arrogant. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's cocky. He also has a lot of money for a lot of drugs. Oh. Uh, and he was like high. He had a very bad cocaine um, addiction during this production. It would interfere with their shooting schedule because Jean-Claude wasn't ready for stuff. So they would have to like make stuff up. Like one of the things that he said that he had to like make up on the spot was there's like that torturer that's torturing Honda and Balrog that you and Ken have to like punch out and stuff. Oh yeah. That wasn't in the script. That was just because Guile was unavailable. (laughs) So it makes me wonder like, okay, so the the faking of his death, was that just a way to like put Guile on the back burner so you could like film other story stuff? How much of the movie was changed because we couldn't, you couldn't film with Jean-Claude Van Damme that day? Jesus Christ. You know? So that's, that's something. Also, he had a real-life affair with Kylie Minogue on the set of this movie. Oh, he did? Yeah, while he was married to his wife. Oh. Yeah. But apparently, everybody liked Kylie Minogue. Jean-Claude was like, you know, he's... he's big action star 
not super cool at the moment. Um, but Kylie Minogue was very nice to everybody. There was like a moment where she like bought a bunch of drinks for everybody. Uh, everybody liked Raul Julia, who was currently dying of stomach cancer. Yeah, so uh, D'Souza is writing the script for the movie, right? He's getting a lot of pressure to keep adding characters in, keep adding characters in. And he had to find a spot for the Kenya uh, Sawada guy because Capcom was like, he needs to be in the movie. Make him Ryu. And he's like, no, I don't want to make him Ryu. He, he barely knows English. We, we, I want like a funny guy to be Ryu. Here, I'll make up a new character called Captain Sawada, which is the guy's actual last name. <laughs> and they just made up a new role for him. And you can actually play Captain Sawada in the Street Fighter games, in the Street Fighter movie video game tie-ins. But Captain Sawada doesn't appear anywhere else in Street Fighter. <laughs> but I guess he got away without having to put Faye Long in the movie, who's the only Super Street Fighter 2 character that doesn't appear in the movie. Do you know who Faye Long is? No idea. Ah, Faye Long is basically Bruce Lee. Oh, he's like, okay. He's, he's fake Bruce Lee. He's in the Street Fighter world. He's a Hong Kong action star. Yeah, I don't know how you could have put Faye Long in. Yeah, there was a rumor that Fei Long is like discontinued in Street Fighter because of uh, trouble with the Bruce Lee family. Like they don't want caricatures of their their dad in media anymore. But that was like last year, and then a couple months later, they were like, "That story's fake. We never said that." So, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what what's what's going to happen with Fei Long in the future? So he he has to put. Uh, Captain Sawada in the movie. He has to put all these other characters in the movie. And the more characters you put in the movie, it dilutes like the story, right? Because this movie's mm-hmm. not that long. You know, it's not a series where we can follow each character uh, over the course of an entire season. No, nah, it's like a hundred. It's like a hundred minute movie or something, right? It's like an hour forty minutes. Hour forty minutes. That is not enough time for all these characters, but they're forcing him to put all these characters in the movie so he puts all the characters in the movie and that's kind of a problem when you're watching this also there was like a toy company deal and he had to put in a tank in the movie anywhere in the movie so i guess it's you're gonna have a tank interrupt the ryu and vega fight boom there's your tank sell your toys jesus christ yeah it's not it's not a good look and because they got Raul Julia to play Bison, uh, he was dying of stomach cancer, as I said before, and he did not look like a Raul Julia that everybody else knew. He looked kind of gaunt, and they were like, we can't film him like this. We need to like give him some time to put on a little bit more weight so he can be this dictator. So they had to film stuff with, with like the, the action and stuff, ahead of when they were supposed to because Raul Julia wasn't wasn't ready so you get these like really janky fight scenes because the actors weren't trained to to fight they had to like learn how to do stuff right before shooting it and this put the action court the the stunt coordinator in a really really bad mood because this dude he hates the director he hates D'Souza 
Well, that's not fair. Charlie Priserni, who's a stunt coordinator, he because D'Souza said we're going to give you time to like do all this stuff. Like all these stunts are dangerous, so we're going to give you some time. And they didn't give him time because they had a, they changed the order of how they filmed everything. Also, there was a I don't know if you recognized him, but there's a henchman, a part of Sagat's team, uh, Benny the Jet. I, I, I forget his last name, but he's like a very famous MMA fighter. He's you'll see him fight like Jackie Chan and some stuff. He was in Gross Point Blank with John Cusack. It's like a villain assassin. He's in the movie. He's organizing the fights, but none of these people know how to fight. Like you have Jean Claude Van Damme, martial artist, but like Raul Julia. Raul Julia's not a fighter, mm-hmm. so they had to like you know work with what they had with what little time they had to to make these fight scenes. Um, and it, it got, they got so behind schedule that they had to like split up when they were filming stuff. So for a little bit, uh, you had, uh, the stunt coordinator who, by the way, does not like Steven D'Souza at this point. You had him filming some of the action. And then when it, it came down to editing Steven D'Souza, who knows about Street Fighter, right? He's a fan or he's not really a fan, but his kids know Street Fighter. And he's watching the, the stuff and he's like, they're not doing any of their special moves. They're not doing any of the things that make them unique characters. So they had to redo some of those to throw the special moves in. It feels like some of the people didn't really know what Street Fighter was. Uh, you had Raul Julia. The reason he took the role is because he knows he's dying, right? And he wants to like do something for his kids. And when he's looking at all these movie roles... His kids are like, Street Fighter? You're going to be, you can be Bison? And he's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give my kids one last movie. His family was by his side. As he told us, he had a very personal reason for making this film. My children play the video game. And as soon as I mentioned uh, um, the, the, the title of the film, uh, all of a sudden their, their faces lit up. That was pretty cool. That's, that's really cool. That's sweet. Yeah, so he... He's an actor's actor. The guy who plays Ken, uh, the reason he joined the picture was because he admired Raul Julia. Like he said that he's like, oh, I want to be like a serious dramatic actor, you know, like Al Pacino. I was like, I don't know about this Street Fighter movie, but when I saw that Raul Julia was in it, I was on board. Damn! So Raul Julia's like name had a lot of it, there was a reputation behind it, a positive. Yes, one. yes, a very positive reputation. He was a sweet guy on set, too. He took his role seriously, and he had a lot of fun with it. He even showed that his family was there, like, watching him act. Like, it seemed like he had a great time working on this movie, even though he was dying. He he kind of, like, didn't show that he was weak and hurting, but I don't know. It's, it's like a bittersweet kind of thing, because you know that a guy was... Is going through stuff. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to see Chadwick too much, but I mean, you know, he was filming the Five Bloods. He was filming the the, the jazz movie for Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. God knows what these men were going through, both Raul and Raul and uh, and Chadwick. You know, mm-hmm. and to to have a positive attitude, because even if Raul yeah. Julia was was kind of in a sour mood, 
hindsight being 2020, you wouldn't like really, it's like, well, I guess I, I could see why he was upset, you know, why he had like a short temper. But, um, damn, that sucks. But nobody had anything negative to say about it. Even Jean-Claude Van Damme was like, that guy was a gracious man. That's great. Because even, even having conflicting feelings about the movie, it's like the fact that his performance is probably, it's the best part of the movie, but also the, in the way he got it. Right, mm-hmm. not being an asshole, being really gracious, having some, having Jean Claude Van Damme say something positive about you, like that's a really nice way to go out, you know? Oh yeah. Okay, so they filmed the, most of the part of the movie in Thailand. Uh, it's fight. There's like a a sword flare that Ryu has to do in the cage fight against Vega that never actually happens. Um, that sword flare, like a Thai extra had to teach him right before filming. Because nobody knew Ooh. how to do sword stuff. That's a real sword. Very dangerous. Why are you, why are we doing this? Whoa! Like the dude had to like write the movie and film it within a year. So I guess like some stuff that would you like actually let's not do that. There's just no time to to have that those revisions. I guess. But still, don't make him do that <laughs> if he doesn't yeah. know how to do it. So casting Kylie Minogue as Cammy took place on the plane ride to Thailand because D'Souza was was like looking at like a magazine on the air airplane, and Kylie Minogue was was on one of the Australia's hottest women or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, the Australian, we're gonna be filming in Australia, and the union wants me to cast an Australian in the movie." Uh, I guess we have Cammy. You can put Kylie Minogue in the movie. And that's how she got the job. She did a magazine thing. And D'Souza was like, I need to find Cammy. Here she is. <laughs> no, that, that actually worked out really well then. That worked out. You know, that could have been and, bad. But and Ka- Kylie is, is like, you know, for the little she's in the movie, you know, she's cool. She shoots a rocket and she says rough kick when she kicks somebody. And she does this really, really awkward Frankensteiner, which is kind of accurate to the game. But the guy is like facing the wrong way. You know what a Frankensteiner is? No. Uh, do you like Rey Mysterio? You know how like he'll jump on people's um, like his legs be- between their head and then he'll like yeah. sway his body around and throw them. Uh huh. Yeah. So Cammy has one of those kind of throws. But the way that she throws the guy in the movie he falls really, really awkwardly. Like, she flips him the wrong way. Instead of landing, like, on his head and shoulders, he lands on his legs. Oh, it, I wish I could just show it to you right now, because it looks really awkward. But, you know, it's because you, you didn't have time to train your people how to fight in your fighting movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I... Having all this behind the scenes makes me respect the director a lot more. Yes. So after filming, you know, it's it's hard. You know, you have the set of Thailand very hot. You have your, your actors and crew messing around in Thailand. You got to keep them, like, on a leash. You got Australia. You do your business there. Your, your center coordinator hates you. You're, you see the fighting scenes, and they're like, they're not doing the moves. We got to do this over again. At the end, when it's all edited and they submit it to the MPAA, they're like, all right, we made our video game movie. 
give us our PG-13 rating, please. And the MPAA was like, this is too much R. Really? Give <laughs> this an R rating. <laughs> um, and, like, some, of, some people think that it's because there was, like, this, like, mass shooting that happened right around the time when they submitted the film to the MPAA. So they were really sensitive to violence, uh, specifically blood. So they had to remove a lot of the blood from the movie and a lot of the action scenes. I'm sure they, they looked better than they do now, but the way they look now is like, I guess it's, that's a fight. Maybe they looked better back then. I don't know. But they had to be edited down. There's, there's a scene where Vega, like, you know how uh, Ryu like, kicks his claw off and kicks his mask off and everything? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Vega never gets back up. Sagat gets back up, and Sagat, you know, counts the fake money with DJ at the end of the movie, but yeah. Vega doesn't get back up. That's because in the original cut, Vega died. He got impaled on his own claw. Well, that would have been better. Yeah, that would have been more memorable for sure, uh, but that was too much, too violent. So they had to edit that part down. It doesn't happen at all. Jesus Christ. So they edited it down so much that the MPA was like, good job, G. What? <laughs> so D'Souza was like, bro, we cannot have a G-rated Street Fighter movie. Jean-Claude, get on the phone. I want you to say shit. That's not how they did it. But basically, when Guile is like repelling down like the, the secret tunnels of the Shadowloo base, he says... Four years of ROTC for this shit. <laughs> MPA was like, he said a bad word, PG-13. You're kidding me. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> oh my god, this movie's cursed. Cursed. Everything, just one after the other. Damn. And when the movie was released in theaters, you know, it critics hated it. They're like, this movie's a piece of shit. Why is this Raul Julia's final movie? This is an insult to the legacy of this fine actor's work. But to me, like, I when I think of Raul Julia, I think of Adam's Family and um, Street Fighter. Because I was born in 1990. Okay, I didn't see all of his, his earlier stuff. When I was a kid, I liked the Adam's Family, Snap Snap. So I watched the movie, and I love that movie. I like Street Fighter. I watched the Street Fighter movie. He's great in it. This is this is who Raul Julia uh, was to me, and I am encouraged to now go see his earlier stuff. But yes. for me, he makes this movie. I'm glad that he said yes to this movie. I I don't know what this movie would look like if you had somebody else not as committed to play this ridiculous villain. Yeah, I think that Raul Raul Julia is the best part of the movie, hands down. Even as someone who's very half and half about the movie, he's the best part. He saves it. Every scene that he's in is either funny or menacing. And you can tell that he's putting in effort. And you can you can tell the other some of the other actors are putting in effort, like Cammy, but she just doesn't have enough to do. Chun Li, yeah, she's cool, but and you could have set the movie, you could have had the movie revolve around her. But they they didn't do that, right? They went for John Claude Van Damme, and when he's on, it's great. He's on, right? He's doing mm-hmm. the, the thing. 
But you could tell other tell you could tell in other moments he's just not on. Right. That's- like he's phoning it in. And mm-hmm. it's like For sure. Having someone there committed to it makes me admire them. And it sells me on who they are as as the character. And having Raul Julia as Bison sold me on Bison. And I guarantee you one thing, if if he was not in the movie, Raul, the movie would have been a lot worse. If Bison was bad, I wouldn't even want to watch this movie. I might not even be playing Street Fighter right now. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, everybody compliments Raul Julia. So you could say that without him, the movie would be worse. For sure. And the thing is, too, now that I know about, about a, a lot about that, it's like, you know what? This wasn't Steven D'Souza's fault. It was Capcom's fault. It was the studio's fault. Because they they put this man in a in a in a predicament where he wasn't gonna win. They wanted how many characters are seventeen, sixteen? They put fifteen of the uh, sixteen Super Street Fighter two characters in the film. Like if they were serious about making a good movie, they should have listened and been like, "Let the screenwriter tell you the kind of movie that he could write." <laughs> yes, like. It, I think it, in the end, it comes down to just capitalism. Like, it comes down to the fact that, like, yeah. corporate management, like, the people at the top, like, we want this. It's like, you don't know what you want because you don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Go stick with making video games. They are not the ones that make the video games. They're the people that are in charge of the property. No, you know what? You're right. Exactly. So don't even tell the people how to make their game because they're a lot smarter than you. Mm-hmm. I just, and it upsets me because, look, I, I feel bad for this for the stunt guy for the stunt coordinator because yeah. he has to deal with safety issues which we have seen time and time again that people can get hurt because of this the stunt coordinator is like i need to do this safely you're giving me people who don't know how to fight you're making a fucking movie called street fighter <laughs> but steven d'souza is like I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place as well maybe he should have put his foot down more then you just fired him and get some another person that will just say yes. But the problem with that too, though, is at that point you're just getting another yes man. You're still going to make a bad movie, right? I don't think they care. No, they don't. At, at the end of the day, they want something that will sell them more copies of this thing. But that's the problem. If that the movie the had been mm-hmm. better, dude, if the movie had been better, we'd be getting like really cool video game movies, like in '94. Like, the Street Fighter as a movie is kind of a joke, right? You have people mm-hmm. that appreciate certain aspects of it, but it's it's not... I don't, I don't understand. It's like, if something is good, it will only help the property, right? Like, you need to protect your reputation. That's what a lot of people don't, and a lot of studios don't understand. You need to protect your reputation, especially now when everything is so IP-driven, Right? Lucasfilm has literally dug their reputation in. Star Wars is a joke, arguably. You have some really, really great stuff made by, you know, like Tony Gilroy and I would say Ryan Johnson, but Rise of Skywalker, it hurt their reputation. Indiana Jones, this, it's just, they're not protecting their reputation. We, you could argue that Marvel is doing the same thing right now. DC's been doing it for years. They haven't been carefully curating their stuff. They're like, well, fuck it. We'll just try this. 
And now the DC brand is a joke in terms of the in terms of the of the films. It's like you need to protect your brand. You need to protect your IP, your reputation. Jesus but Christ. Christmas like is I, around the corner. We gotta sell the toys. I just I don't get the mentality behind it. Like I, I get the mentality, I just don't agree with it. No, like no, it's no, very no, no. short term right. goals. Like it this movie could have been amazing. Yes. But it's this kind of like kind of low key bad, but it makes us laugh. So I like well, it. Think, I mean But it look, should have been amazing. But here's the thing. You Sure, we're still talking about this movie, but people don't talk about this movie in a positive light. If this movie had been good, and you had done the work to make an actual movie that had good fight scenes, you could have made more, you could have sold more video games by having more sequels. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what? Bison does come back, granted in a different actor, because Rao Julia has has passed away, but you could explain it in some way, or have have different spin-offs. By golly! It's almost like if you make a good movie, you can make a sequel, and that sequel can sell you even more. I wonder where I've seen that before. (laughs) Capcom made their money with Street Fighter, and I'm sure they're happy. Who cares about a good story? Oh, when's the next time they made another Street Fighter movie in 2009? Oh, and that was a disaster? Yeah, I I was trying to find, like... Uh, fan reception to these movies and just you probably know Justin Wong right yeah Justin Wong let's go Justin Mm -hmm. Uh, he I found him talking about the Street Fighter movies and he he likes this one because of the same reason that I like it it's like oh video game I'm a kid this is awesome this is funny but he he does not like the 2009 one. He's like, don't even bother watching that movie. And it's funny too because reputation. I, I, I don't. I I'm just going on this rant because I've been thinking about this a lot more, especially mm-hmm. with the DC being rebooted, Marvel kind of having Mar- a Marvel slump just because they're putting so much out. You know, you need like a quality it's a flop era. Right? Yeah, Marvel is definitely <laughs> Marvel movies are definitely in their flop era. They could they could make a comeback. They absolutely could. They're not. They haven't Rise of Skywalkered it yet, um, but they're definitely in their flop era. And I think, you know, when you you need people that understand the properties, but also want to respect the reputation and uphold that reputation, you know, because like, you know me, I don't play a lot of fighting video games. I don't. Um, I mostly play first person shooters. Mm-hmm. But w- explain to me why the fuck fuck i bought mortal kombat 10 11 and i have mortal kombat 1 the one that's coming out in october september wish listed on my steam page because it's a fucking good reputation those are good games they're known for being for being for being good to fun to play with and every so often i'll install them and play them i paid full price for those games jesus mortal kombat has a different like appeal i think it has a more general appeal because of the the really gory cut scenes and everything but i think i don't think a lot of people play those games long term like they do with street fighter as someone who's never seen the movie i just don't care about street fighter i i'll watch raul julia movies now <laughs> and i appreciate and i appreciate certain but it, aspects it just, of this it movie. doesn't make you want to install street fighter 6 no 
No, no, no. Yeah, like the new game came out. I, yeah. I'm glad you're liking it. I'm glad that it's other amazing. people like Everybody it. Everyone should and, play it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The only reason people give a shit about Street Fighter, the only reason is because the games are good. And do you know why the games are good? Because the developers understand the reputation that they need to maintain. Yes. They definitely spent some time in the lab cook- cooking up Street Fighter VI. And it has been like pretty much universally loved. It's and that's because... A, they did a great job. But like golly. you said, it's because they put the time and they let the experts cook. Golly, it's almost like if you make something good, it'll pay, it'll pay dividends. It'll get more mm-hmm. people interested. It'll, it'll, it'll keep your reputation alive. Whereas yeah. these, you know, like... DC, As opposed to like just churning things out because well, we need to have a new one. Yes. We need to have a new one. We need to hit that that uh, holiday quarterly so that we get all those sales. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It just needs to be out for people to buy. And I think reputation plays a lot with word of mouth, plays a lot into word of mouth, whether people will watch stuff in theaters. People are looking for excuses not to go to the movie theaters uh, because it's expensive and it is time consuming, right? With these movies being what two hour 30 minutes two hour 40 minutes three hours if you're the batman people will go watch a scorsese film because of his reputation mm-hmm. the reputation that he has protected very dearly like the man is one of the the most popular one of the best filmmakers of all time so people will go maybe not like avengers endgame but they will go and watch it i think this this talk about how Camp Capcom went about making this movie is just reminiscent as to how other companies are going about their IPs right now. Yes. And it's like, you guys need to, you guys need to do better. Like the bare minimum just isn't cutting it anymore. And you're, you're spending so much, so much money and you're undercutting people and you're abusing animators and, and CGI artists. And for what? For like the flash to hit, a hundred million three weeks in domestically <laughs> you know what i'm just gonna cut it short because we need stuff for our i work austin and i are going to be putting out a this month in movies episode on our patreon where we're going to be talking about all of this and for the past like 10 minutes i've been on this rant about reputation and stuff we will we will get more into it then um this episode's <laughs> already really long but it it's just you know what you giving me the behind the scenes for this movie makes me really angry. Mm. Uh, and I, I do feel bad for the director. And if anything, it makes me want to like the movie even more and just be like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, yeah, you may have <laughs> may have really yeah. thrown this guy under the bus. But the reason I gave it a three, I think it's also because I kind of know stuff. Reading all this stuff, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll cut you a break for all this stuff. But I, yeah, like it's some sometimes, though, like movies that we see are like man this movie's bad and then we just kind of throw it in the trash pile but like part of the reason why we do this podcast is to and and give a more enlightened look and give a movie like a fair chance yeah because every every movie is like hours out of people's day months out of people's year blood sweat and tears put into it even if the movie's bad yeah there's some kind of story behind it too it makes me like the movie more like you did a good job with what you had and sometimes, you know what, we're like, well, how is this movie so bad? Like I was saying it earlier, like, man, why why did they do this? Why did they do that? It comes down to the age, oh, my boss told me to do it. <laughs> and my boss is a fucking idiot. 
how many people can relate to that story? A ton of people. Mm. Like, my bosses are idiots. They don't know what they want. And I'm here to do a job. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, so many people. And if you're not, great, cool. Like, you you are one of the people that um, that are blessed, but... Yeah, just I don't I don't understand the incompetency that comes with being an exec at that level. But the thing is, like nobody, those people behind the scenes, the people, the money people at Capcom are like, hey, put DJ in the movie. I know he's he's kind of like funny in the game, but let's make him a computer nerd. He just needs to be in the movie like those people. We don't know their names, but we know Steven D'Souza because his name's on the credits. That's what's very interesting about the actors and directors. Because you and I study movies, we keep up with movie news and stuff. We have a better understanding as to who's to blame. A lot sometimes, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. really this person's fault; it's this person's fault actually. But because Stephen is the director, it's his fault for a lot of mainstream audiences. Or even it's uh, John Claude Van Damme's fault. You know, just because he's the the headlining actor you know he's the 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 top build actor you know it's like oh that john claude van damme movie is bad they don't really understand why they know they're familiar with some of these names and they'll say oh it's this person's fault and it's like that's not really the case mm-hmm. um well you know john claude you know he was kind of a shithead when when they made this movie but i think he we know he was a shithead because he kind of admitted as and well. he was going through a, a drug problem. Drug problem, <laughs> divorce, an affair. Like he's not really an excuse because, like, it's a it's a rich asshole. But having money can't really get you out of a drug problem. It'll make any divorce mm. awful because now you have someone that you used to love going after some of your assets, uh, whether they're entitled to it or not. Like it's that it's a case by case scenario. It's gonna fuck you up, right? But there, the reason I bring Jean-Claude up is that he, it seems like he's kind of like been a little bit more self-reflexive on some of the past behavior, maybe, because there was a film that came out a few years ago called JCVD, which is kind of like a really like inward look at stardom and how he used to be famous and he's not as famous anymore. Uh, I recommend that movie if you're like... I don't know, interested in, in Jean-Claude Van Damme's introspective look. It's more of a like, hmm, this, you did some some healing between 94 and now. I'm here for that. Sure. Like, I want I want people to live a good life, you know, and to be a bit more self-reflective. And if he did that, hey, kudos on you, man. Okay, we've talked about this movie enough. Let's move on to quotes. This is the part of the episode where, in lieu of a five-star system, we summarize how we feel about a movie with a quote from the movie. It can be our favorite quote, it can be a quote that made us laugh, or it can be a quote that summarized the conversation we just had. George usually goes first, and George usually breaks the rules. So this was like a bittersweet one. It was it was funny. I only have one. I kind nice. of... Did, don't want to have this be my quote anymore, but it, it's the one that I decided. It's you mentioned it earlier. It's the scene with uh, with Guile where he's like repelling, and he's like four years of ROTC for this shit. And I just I thought I laughed because I was like four years of university to watch this shit. Oh no! But I feel bad now. 
Oh no. I you know, because he that's what we do in this podcast. We analyze, we try to, you know, we try to be as positive as we can. We try to look into stuff, but even I was like four years of university, thousands in debt, so I could learn how to watch something like this. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's not a positive mindset. It's not. Mm. Um, I just I don't even know why I went with it. I kind of regret it. Okay, no, no. Here's my second quote. And I don't have it pulled up. I don't actually I don't actually totally remember how it goes, but just because I'm changing my mind, it's the scene where Giles like talking to Bison through the through the Chun Li's reporter kind of TV thing. And he's like, But I do have some words for that bastard bison. And it's like, <laughs> I know you have the TV on you, sick son of a bitch. So here you go. And he does the huh. <laughs> that's 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 me that's how i feel to capcom and i hope capcom is bison watching it and being offended <gasps> yeah i'm sure they have representatives listening to the podcast talking about a movie from 20 years ago yes they do damn it sure <laughs> uh okay this, those are good quotes um i have one quote uh that i dude i wish i could just list off all the bison stuff that he says but for me it was a tuesday it's just electromagnetism. <laughs> yeah, he's, the way he says stuff is just really, really funny. Why do they call me mad? <laughs> or why do they call me a warlord? Everything he says, so good. Like, I encourage you to watch that movie just to see this man work. At, yeah. Like, he gets, like, a shit role, but he makes it glorious. He um, he makes it entertaining, which is the point of any villain. You, you right. we want to hate them and we want to be entertained, and he does both. But we want to cosplay them when it comes to the con conventions. Yes. Anyway, the quote that I picked was one from Honda uh, when he's after he's been tortured, and Balrog is looking at him like, "Damn, are you okay? How do you put up with all this stuff?" And he's like, "I'm sumo, brother. My body's in one place, my mind another." That's how I feel about this movie, because although it is not a good movie, admittedly, it's not a good movie. It does something to my mind when it, it comes to certain parts where I'm just in a happy place and I, I want to get in the lab, get on ranked and play some Street Fighter. Sometimes I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking about how cool a Street Fighter movie would have looked if, you know, Capcom had decided, let's make a good movie. <laughs> you know? <sighs> uh, we man, I've got a lot to say about that whole thing. I'm I'm ready <laughs> for my rant. Okay, all right. Well, that does it for uh, our episode of Street Fighter the movie from 1994. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope if anybody wants to play a Street Fighter, hit me up. Hit us up on the Discord. We have a Discord. Uh, to get on the Discord, um, you'll have to DM us on our socials at retrograde underscore pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We also have a Facebook group, but don't hit us up there because I'll never check it. Um, you can email us at retrograde g at retrograde pod at gmail.com. Um, is that all of our socials? That's all of our socials. <laughs> yeah, just hit us up there so we can make sure you're not a Shadow Lou spy trying to sell oh. us crypto bison bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's Jesus so Christ. That's that was so funny. Fun, that's, dude. Man, that was so f- And that reveal at the end with the bison bucks. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And he, he, he sells them the, the paper. And Scott's like, this isn't even worth the paper it's printed on. And he's like, sure it is. We're going to kidnap the queen. Like, it's, he's so delusional. It's so funny. Oh, so good. Like, there's moments of greatness in this movie. There is, Just, yeah. just like, ah, nuggets of joy. <laughs> but, you know, just hit us up. Follow us on our things. We have a Patreon. We have some cool stuff there. George is going to do an extended rant, probably aimed at Warner Brothers. So if you like that kind of stuff, you can sign up for our Patreon. If you want to see me go off, then join the Patreon. It could be funny yeah. sometimes. We also do some really fun stuff. Like most recently, we did a sequel speed pitch, like the Spider-Man one. But we had to do it for Constantine this time. That was really cool. I that really like your movie really a lot. I, I would like to see that. Thanks. I would like to see yours as well. Uh, well, we, I think parts of except part. There's one part that I do not want to see. And I, <laughs> I still have not forgotten. I know, yeah. I've still not forgotten. <sighs> Can't believe you did that. If you want to see why I'm, why I'm upset with George right now, come by the Patreon. It's a really fun time. $5 gives you all the episodes. $2 gives you one episode a month. Uh, $15 gives you the title of executive producer of Retrograde Podcast. Um, and nothing else. It gives you the title and everything else that everybody else gets. It's very much like Sugar Daddy, Sugar Mommy kind of money. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. It's the title that counts, but... yeah. That is it for this episode. We will see you next time. We haven't decided what movie we're covering yet, have we? No, but I do have one that I want to pitch. That okay. I, well, I, like I feel like I I kind of forced you to do Street Fighter, and it's your turn to force me to do uh, some movie. I'm curious to see how you're going to feel about it. You want to? Do you want to give the, the no? People? We're going to keep it. We're going to keep oh, it. Oh, you're doing the thing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.